Hey everybody, welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, so today we're heading over to Oregon uh, to talk with Ethan, or Ethan, wow, I was trying to say combine his last name and first name, <laughs> um, Nathan Endicott. Um, so Nathan, uh, this last year, won the Spring Bear Photo Contest that's put on by Heaven at 10K. Um, he puts it on every year, and it's on Instagram. And the way you win it is by posting the nicest or the best um, bear harvest photo from that spring hunt. And um, it can be, it doesn't have to be the biggest bear. It doesn't, you know, it's just what is the nicest photo. Um, and I will happily say that uh, Nathan's photo was. Um, it's gorgeous. I I would frame the photo. It looks so nice. I have you, Nathan. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, no. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a it's an animal that I um I was super jacked to harvest, but um it it just goes in a uh, a photo booklet with all of my harvest, cool. and then um and then once it gets you know done at the taxidermist, I'll be able to uh, remember it that way as well. But yeah, I mean, thank you. That was yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> I saw that photo and I was extremely jealous. <laughs> so, but we'll we'll get into that. Sort of, you know, if this was a story, we started with revealing the end, and we'll go through the details now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. So anyway, um, Nathan, so you're from Springfield, Oregon. That's right. Okay, uh, I was born in Springfield, Oregon. Okay, cool. Um, so you've born and raised there, I assume. Yeah, so born in Springfield, Oregon, went to Thurston High. Many of your listeners will have no idea. And then, uh, shoot, I mean, I love I love the Willamette Valley. And then specifically where I'm, you know, more or less from is the McKenzie River. Um, you know, that entire uh, valley that stretches up towards our Cascade Range in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we're on the west side, so it's very timbered and um, beautiful and uh, blue, crystal clear stream water and uh, mountainous. So then, uh, after I graduated from high school, I went to college in Portland, Oregon. Some people may be familiar with Portland, Oregon. There's a lot of media and news coverage about people, <laughs> protests, um, you know, uh, politics, all mm-hmm. of it. Uh, so yeah, I was there for five years, um, graduated with a degree in civil engineering, and then knew immediately that the traffic, the culture just wasn't quite for me it's beautiful up there as well. The river runs right through the city. Got a view of Mount hood. Um, you're close to the coast, you know, you could bomb over to the coast. And, uh, yeah, so I knew it wasn't for me. Came back to Springfield, Oregon, where I searched for a job, landed one. So I didn't really get into a lot of background, but, uh, just figured I would do a quick overview there for you. Yeah, no, no, that's good. So, no, so he's good to know where people are from and everything. So, and, uh, so, you're from Springfield, Oregon, but do you hunt? Well, do you bear hunt there or do you go somewhere else? Good question. So a lot of my friends, a lot of my buddies, they hunt the coast range. Mm-hmm. There's just a higher population of bear on the coast, brushy. Yeah. Um, they can live a, a long freaking time. Mm-hmm. One of my good buddies, um, Calvin Halliday, he lives in um, LeGrand. Well, he came out to the coast and shot a 15 year old bear this year. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, they, they can live a long time and, uh, they get pretty good size too on the coast with a lot of, a lot of vegetation and good feed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's, I, I do not personally hunt the coast. 
just okay. never really got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad used to bear bait on the coast all the time back mm-hmm. when it was legal. Yep. And he, he had a great career bear hunting, harvested a ton of awesome bear. And, um, but then I never got into it cause dad never got me into it. And that's who really got me into archery. And I'll talk about that maybe in a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, Oh, I'll keep going real quick is yeah. the cascade range is where I would bear hunt. Um, I get a fall bear tag and, and, um, it's just tough to come across bear in the fall, but they show up on my trail cam photos and, um, I see them in the spring quite a bit. And then, uh, and I could hunt summer as well. I think it opens August 1st is when the bear season opens up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, also where I killed my bear was Eastern Oregon or Northeast Oregon. And okay. that's where the color phase really start to show up. And that's where you have the, uh, very mountainous train that's relatively open you can glass spot mm-hmm. stock um call uh yeah gotcha. a lot of effective methods for being successful so that's that's the coveted tag and that's the draw tag uh you could just buy over the counter for the others the west side i think they just changed it this year is the first time that now you have to draw um our coast maybe south coast i i'm not i've never done it so i don't okay. know okay yeah no I'm going to, in case the listeners aren't aware of this, I'm going to try to explain, tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, Nathan. So the difference between bear hunting Eastern and Western Oregon is on the West side, it's, it, you know, it's coastal timber um, and it's really thickly timbered. And so you can't really spot and stalk bears. Is that correct? It's more or less, yeah, you pretty well, much stumble upon them or. There's an exception. So uh, yeah. there's a lot of timber company land and, some of the, uh, the timber companies allow you to go on their land, especially, okay. you know, during the fall when you have the weather and it's no high fire danger. Fire danger is the one exception to that rule. And yeah. So what my buddies do is they'll glass timbered units or, I mean, clear cut units. Okay. And they'll be able to spot a bear coming out and feeding. Mm-hmm. And then that's essentially turns into spot and stock or yeah. long range rifle. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not you know, familiar with that, but. And then the other is, um, one of my friends, he's got this spot dialed in. You hike like a couple miles up a stream and get into some meadowy areas on the coast. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he just watches, you know, 150 yards into this little meadow and then boom, he has bears that come out and feed, you know, and it's just such a big effort. Not a lot of guys do it. Yeah. And that's more of a, a, you know, a spot, I mean, a stock and then spot method. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So I mean, yeah, of course there's exceptions, but it's um, it's a lot more difficult to do spot and stock there versus out in eastern Oregon. Then, correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So in case the listeners didn't quite understand that, so okay, cool. Um, before we jump into your bear hunt, um, you had a little history with a well-known um hunting figure. Uh, you're from the same town as Cam Haynes. Is that correct? Yeah, no, it is. And Cam's a good dude. Um, he grew up with my dad. Mm-hmm. They hunted together growing up. Okay. Uh, there's a particular area of Oregon where they started hunting together as youth and Cam harvested just a beautiful, I can't recall if it was a state record or just top, but um, a velvet mule deer with a bow. And um, nice. yeah, so that's where they kind of hunted together and my dad owns an archery shop here in Springfield, Oregon called the bow rack. Mm-hmm. And I grew up going there. I mean, he, my dad got me into archery when I was about six years old, about the day I could pull back a bow. <laughs> and 
so I just hang out at the shop and Cam Haynes would come in and, um, shop there, you know, visit with my dad and I would be there just like rummaging in the back through, you, you know, either the clothes or I would just, I don't know. I mean, if you're like a seven year old at an archery shop, you come <laughs> up with plenty of bad things to you know, of course. come up with. And yeah. And so then, um, Cam would come in and I would always like to challenge people like I'd say I shoot you for a pop, <laughs> which meant like, you know, you, you shoot at 20 yards and whoever hits the spot or comes the closest would buy the other guy a soda or, you know, uh, I called it a pop. Yeah. And so that's what um, I call it. Enough, too. I got cam. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So it's a, so, um, that's interesting that you call it pop. Cause I thought out West, it, especially by California, it was like soda pop out there. Yep. Soda, um, cola. Yeah. But, the, a lot so of Midwest get, people are, are pop. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah so i would get cam to sucker into my um you know my contest and mm-hmm. cam was a very competitive guy still is a very competitive guy you know? mm-hmm. so he would of course shoot you know i think cam would beat me but um so i didn't challenge him too often yeah. but then i'd find some other guys that were just like i could just kind of tell like i'd beat them <laughs> <laughs> so i'd challenge them but yeah so anyway cam would come in the shop all the time growing up and that's cool um and I do have kind of a funny story. So, uh, I was just hanging out of the bow rack. Cam mm-hmm. comes in and he's telling me that like, you know, he just went and ran this, this mountain called Mount Pisgah mm-hmm. and it's just across town from us. Not very far away. And, yeah. And he took his son Tanner, who is a little bit younger than me, like mm-hmm. four years younger. And I'm maybe like a 10 or 11 year old. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, Tanner ran it. And you know, I, I bet he could beat you up it too. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and I was so, I was so aggravated. And so sure enough, Cam got me out there. Uh-huh. And so, um, and so I'd never, I mean, I, I had run like I play soccer, play sports mm-hmm. and I'm naturally kind of that athletic, uh, body type. And, and I was just so competitive. So like, I have, I have to just show this guy what's up. Mm-hmm. And so we go out to Mount Pisgah and he drove me out there. And, um, so we start at the bottom and we time it and we run to the top and like as a 12 year old or whatever, however old I was, I don't even know if I was 12 yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually beat Cam <laughs> and I beat his fastest time to the top and, <laughs> and I didn't really rub it in or anything. Cause I was just jacked that I didn't die. My yeah. heart rate was probably 200 beats per minute. And like, <laughs> I was probably near death for how hard I tried, but it's so funny. So Cam got me into running. I, I, st- I told him that before, like Cam was literally the reason. I got into running. And so That's I had a cool. long career of running. I ran in college. Um, I was a long distance runner. Uh, what, kind of a, a quick little benchmark to say, you know, what I've done before is nothing mm-hmm. special, but I can run five miles, averaging five minute miles. So 25 awesome. minutes. And that's, that's awesome. That's kind of like the extent of the furthest I can run. And I've done a steeplechase and um, have done pretty well at that. <clears throat> that mm-hmm. Times won't mean anything to anyone but it's almost two miles and I can run around nine minutes and 13 seconds in my, my steeple. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. I, th- so I it, think, it can, I think yeah. people can understand how fast that's, that's a very fast pace. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just, and that was, you know, obviously a lot of running and training to get to that level. And I'm not that anymore. That's I'm 30 years old and gosh, I was, you know, young twenties when I was doing that. Yeah. Minute. Yep. <clears throat> no, I know the feeling as we were talking about before the, uh, the podcast here, it was, you know, I was in the Marine Corps and I, I did a lot of cardio myself, not, not quite that good, but I wasn't super far off anyway, but, um, 
Yeah. It's, no, we definitely I do, fall. I do want to. <laughs> I, I want to bring that up though, and I get so passionate about running, and I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, remind me, you know, about your um, your running days. Like, what can you do? Yeah. So, so when I was in the Marine Corps, I was in the infantry, and um, you know, it was my job to be able to, uh, you know, go be able to hike far and everything. And so I took a lot of pride in my running ability. And, um, I used to be able to run, uh, three miles in just a little over 18 minutes. I don't think I ever broke the 18 minute barrier. I was like 1822 was my fastest time. So, but, um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was back, boy, I must've been 19 or 20 when I did that. And so, but that was, yeah, but I'm also like like we were talking. I'm not. I would. I don't think I'm really built for running. So <laughs> as a uh, um, yeah. Now nowadays I do competitive strongman, but uh, yeah, I I have really short legs and I don't really think I'm built for running. So I was pretty proud of how fast I could run. So right, and and so yeah, the thing that I want to follow you with is that um, a lot of guys, you know, a lot of gals uh, say that. And in, in, in particular, my family is, you know, uh, like they do the same thing, but people will tell me like, Nathan, you know, you're just built for running. You have these long legs and, um, mm-hmm. you're skinny and, uh, you know, you're tall. So I'm sure that helps. And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that probably all helps, but you should see some of the guys that I have run against. I mean, yeah. short, like, you know, five, I think five, nine, five, ten is mm-hmm. one of the more ideal heights for yeah. running. And I think leg, you know, leg length you know, your, your stride, your cadence, very important yep. for being a long distance runner. Yeah. But if you just want to be a, a proficient runner, mm-hmm. um, you can have these big, strong, short, beefy legs and mm-hmm. be kicking out pretty fast miles. You may have to feel like you're working harder, yeah. but with the proper training, I mean, anyone could be a good distance runner. It just takes the proper training, the proper form. And then to put in a little plug for my favorite book, Born mm-hmm. to Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a great book. Well, it talks about mechanics of running, you know, the evolution of running and just these uh, these old, you know, um, native Mexican tribal runners who just basically like they would have these crazy parties and go out and run for days. And uh, it <laughs> just goes cool. into their, yeah, it's so such a weird book. Have you read that? What was that? Have you read that book? Born no, I've never read Born to Run. I've heard people have told me to read it, but I've never actually sat down to run it. It's it, I think it's one of those books that's on my list of, of books I need to read and <laughs> just haven't done it yet. But Yeah. So okay. So I, I ran in college, got mm-hmm. done, took six months, complete break, read that book. Yeah. And then was like, you know, the, the day I finished it, I was mm-hmm. just hanging out, hadn't gotten a job yet after college. Yeah. I was like, hey, I'm gonna go out and run a marathon. Uh-huh. So I had these wet shoes from playing in the river the day before and like put on these wet running shoes and went out and freaking ran a marathon. And That's it. cool. I think I was like nine th- or three nineteen was my time. And That's I took cool. a little Gatorade goo packet for <laughs> the power, power bar. I can't remember exactly. It was a little goo packet. Yeah. And, uh, power bar makes those, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I did there. It was pretty wild, but yeah, that's anyway. Cool. So, I mean, love that book. Yeah. Anyone could run. That's the main takeaway. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll bring it. I, I I appreciate that. And yeah, I would agree because I um you know I when I say I'm built not built for running, so I'm naturally I, I don't know if this registers with any with people, but I would say my body type is pretty endomorphic. You know, I naturally carry a lot of body fat, and um 
yeah. you know, and I have to work really hard to keep fat off my body. And I have short legs. Like I'm, I'm five eleven, but I wear the same like pants as my wife, who's five five. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> our our hips are the same level. So I do not. That's I would, funny. I would say I am not built for running. But you know, just through hard work, I was able. And now the nice thing about that, like we were talking earlier, is is I sort of have a base level of cardio that, um, you know, because I was so I did so much running in my early twenties. Now, even though you know, I don't run hardly at all anymore, um, just due to what I'm focusing on with my physical fitness at this point in my life. Um, yep. I would say that no problem right now. I could go out and run three miles. I mean, and, and it's nice because you have that sort of level of cardio that doesn't go away. So, you know, if you're, you decide, you know what, I'm going to go on an elk hunt this year. Um, you have a pretty good starting point, you know? So. Yep. And, and that's very true. You brought up a good point. So a couple of things that I re- recall about, you know, my running days is when I researched and understood it a little better, but mm-hmm. with your, with your training, with that ongoing kind of daily, maybe every other day sort of training and running, you develop very, very small capillaries into, you know, greater areas within your muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And that increases um, your speed of recovery and the, just circulation of blood when you're competing. And so that way your muscles stay you know, uh, um, like fit and, and, um, vascular and you're able to continue that sort of running and then, then your heart, right. So Mm -hmm. you're also increasing your overall, um, cardiovascular system capability and, and yeah. And then last thing is muscle memory. So your muscles themselves will just kind of remember that cadence of running and your stride and you Mm -hmm. just quickly pick that back up and you'll get winded like my lungs anymore. You know, I have to, get those in shape and then yeah then my legs are behind then i get my legs back in shape and it, it does take longer and that's older the order I get, too but... isn't it that's that is the exact order yeah. the first time i go for a run after not running for a while my the first thing is like wow my lungs are just like you can like taste blood yeah. in your in your you know your <laughs> and then and then your lungs the are fine that's true you do taste blood it's cortisol it's stress your body produces an intense amount of stress you're like running for your life right survival yep. Yep. And it's like, what, what are you doing to me? <laughs> and then, and then it's your legs need to catch up. <laughs> that's the way it goes too. It's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Oh, oh, I'll bring it back real quick. Yeah. I just remembered the tangent is that, um, so then, uh, to backtrack. So my dad got me into archery. I've done it my whole life. I'm mm-hmm. diehard archery. Dad still owns the bow rack. His name's Wayne Endicott. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so Cam years later, so now this is after I ran that little marathon on my own and I took a couple more months off. Yeah. Cam um, is, is, he was very uh, popular and I would say famous at, at this point, you know, okay. um, yep. after I'd graduated from college. And so he was posting on Facebook um, a contest to win a free bow, mm-hmm. one of his bows. And I, I don't, have you seen that before? Really? Oh yeah. Has yeah. Contest? Yeah. I don't, I don't know, you know, since you're, you're like family friends with cam and stuff, if, if you really understand how popular it is, but like, like before, when you said, when you told me before this, that, um, yeah, my dad owns the bow shop that, um, cam goes to, like, I, I knew exactly the name of the bow shop and everything. I, it, and I were, yeah. And, and Mount Pasag, like, I, I think that's pretty world famous at this point, what that is, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's, you know, growing up in the same town, if, if you would think that people know that, but yeah, it's, it, your little town's very famous, I would say, especially in the hunting community. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And I do very much like just maybe don't get that. Cause yeah. I mean, that's all I've ever known, especially since I've, yeah, my dad is um, the owner. And by the way, he's mm-hmm. a very huge wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, bear hunting. And um, just to put a quick plug to you, if you ever want to get him on your show, he'd be great. Cause he takes, he's taken youth. So the hunt I did, offers a great amount of youth tags Mm -hmm. and a very high probability of drawing so my dad has really reached out within the community and and gotten these youths to draw takes Mm -hmm. them and then gets them their first introduces them to hunting right yeah and it's really a great introduction to hunting these bear because um you can use a rifle Mm -hmm. it's pretty high success Uh, you can teach ethics responsibility pack outs are killer it's just it's a very clean method to introduce people to hunting yeah and so anyway, my dad, he would be a great one to pick his brain. And yeah, I know like to. a tenth. Yeah, I know a tenth of the bear hunting knowledge, <laughs> you know, is him. I always am asking him questions. But. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so uh, Cam posted um, a con- uh, like a contest invite on Facebook. And likely, you know, a lot of people can't necessarily travel, you know, mm-hmm. to where he's going to host this contest. But yeah. the rules are basically you, you beat Cam. Or if he wins, he, he gives his bow to the most deserving person. Uh-huh. And uh, my stepmom, uh, Lisa, she's, um, she works at the bow rack as well. Anyway, she was she saw me that, that day and was like, hey, Nathan, you really or It's actually the night before. Sorry. She saw me the night before and says, Nathan, Cam's going to give away free bow. You really should, really should do it. It's a running competition. I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> he's really going to do a running competition? Like, yeah, that is my one chance. You know, uh-huh. I cannot lift the guy. Yeah. Um. And Lisa's like, you really need to do it. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not in shape. Like, I don't even, I don't even know if I could run, you know, a mile. Yeah. And, I'm, and she's like, well, all you have to do is run to the top of Mount Pisgah. And so I've done that. You know, that was where I had first run against Cam. I told that story. Yeah. And so I'm like, gosh, you know, to run a hill, that takes a different set of running muscles. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm always good at hiking. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, just, it's just killer. It's brutal. You just, yeah. you just suck it up and you know, oh, yeah. run as fast as you can up a freaking mountain. Yeah. So I gosh, well, maybe I could do it. So I got some running shoes on and I hadn't run for about three months, I think straight zero running. <laughs> so I ran down the driveway. I know I ran down the driveway to half mile and I, I get winded and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just ran a half mile and I'm breathing just insanely hard. And I didn't time it. I just wanted to go for stride. And yeah. So I go back to Lisa and like, I can't do it. There's no way there's zero way that I can make it to the top of that mountain. And mm-hmm. she's like, Nathan, are you kidding me? Like, and my family's very supportive. Yeah. They, you know, they've always really encouraged me in my running and whatever. And, and I, but I knew without a doubt, I could not do it. And so the next day rolls along and it's the morning. It's, I think Cam's going to host around like 11 or noon, mm-hmm. maybe a little later, maybe it was 1 PM. Cause I recall going by the Borak yeah. and stopping in there. And I did, I brought my running shoes just in case I decided to change my mind. And they're like, how could you bring your running shoes and then not show up? You know, you have to go. And still, and people are giving me crap. And like one of my dad's coworkers, I told him that I could probably beat him up Pisca barefoot. And so he's giving me a lot of crap. He's like, how could you tell me that you could do that and then not go? So I was like, whatever. Okay, I'll go. Okay, right? So uh-huh. I go, I pull up to the parking lot and there's a group of people. There's probably 30, 30 guys or so. I, can't remember and yeah he was gonna kick it off in about 15 minutes and i just got there so i'm lacing up my shoes 
like all I need is 10 minutes to kind of jog down and stretch once or twice, kick out, you know, mm-hmm. roll out for a minute. And then, so the first thing that Cam says, looks at me, is like, oh, so you're coming to take a bow from an old guy. And I was like, whatever, like you, <laughs> you're posting this competition. But that was really funny. So, and I mean, he doesn't know that I didn't even run for 30 or like three months. So, yeah. So I get my shoes laced up. I'm, I'm just warmed up just enough. And sure enough, you know, I, I run and I'm sticking right next to Cam because there's a lot of strategy to holding back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'm just running with him and these guys that just tear off. And I don't know if you're familiar with running hills is that, oh, yeah. um, you know, if you, uh, yeah, if you gas your legs early, you tank, there's yeah. no coming back from, um, from a lot of lactic acid in your muscles. You're just yeah. burnt out. So you start slow. Yep. Yeah. So if I'm I, I can jug in with him. I want, yeah. I want to, can I sidebar on, on, on that? And when I, when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, we used to do these timed run, you know, it was, it was, you do your physical fitness test and it was a three mile run. And every single time I just laughed because as soon as the run started, there was these guys every single time we did it. I must've been every three months we did a physical fitness test. They took off sprinting. And I was just like, why? You know it doesn't work. You, you're you going to get gassed and you can't recover. It sucks, <laughs> you know? And the, I would... Did you I'm ever like, tell them? Yeah, I, I'm like... I, and I remember there was this one run specifically... They took off and I, you know, I started out at my, my normal pace and I said, I'll see you guys in a little bit. <laughs> and then as I passed, oh, I remember this too. I'm like, hi, bye. Hi. I'm running past. Right. They're just, they look like they're miserable. And we've got, you know, I'm, we're over the halfway point. I'm speeding up, you know, and they're, they're dying. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, why yep. do you do that? You're not, and I mean, in running hills especially is that, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's even worse. So, okay, sorry, go ahead. I just, I, I thought that I'm like, yeah, okay. No, it's so true. And, and the funny thing is, is that I, you know, I've run with people, run against people that do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell them not to go out so fast because I always think like, <laughs> hey, better for me because uh-huh. I'll catch you. But, um, no, that's kind of bad. I should warn people, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, um, basically start out slow and steady and uh, running right next to Cam. And then um, I realized that, you know, uh, if I if I wanted to win, I, I could kind of feel the competitive nature, like oozing up out of me. And uh-huh. it's like, okay, Nathan, if you want to win, now's your chance. Like mm-hmm. a lot of strategy in running, especially for someone who's pretty good at running, yeah. is you make your competitor feel like they can't catch you again. Mm-hmm. So right about the center of the race, I just, I blow past. And you have to, you really have to establish that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, gap you and you mm-hmm. can't come back. And so, um, there's a really steep section. So that's where I chose to start it. So then I, I break ahead. And at that point, they also can't tell how hurting you are because, you know, someone would feed off of if, if you're doing worse than me on breathing, you mm-hmm. know, I'll be able to run faster. Yeah. So anyway, so I just, I gas it, go ahead. And then there's a couple last little switch back straight stretches and then boom, you're on top. And so I hit the top and I'm like, I'm about ready to lose my stomach, but I just knew not to eat anything. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so I make it to the top and I was jacked and I actually run back down, get, get with Cam and then run with him back to the top for his finish. <laughs> and, um, just to kind of put that little bit of knuckle rub into him. And, uh, that was, that was a good time. That was fun. And I hope he appreciates that looking back too. Cause, mm-hmm. um, you know, he does so much for the hunting community and, 
just involvement, getting people out there. If I put a contest, like even if I gave away my bow, you know, nobody would show up. Like yeah. maybe a guy that wanted my bow, but um, just the, you know, the results that he's getting with the community uh, that, you know, that hunts and the support and then um, politically what he does. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I really admire him. He's a great guy. And yeah. It's been such a blessing to grow up with that, you know, in my life. And so, yeah. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. So you actually beat Cam Haynes in a race. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. That's no, cool. I, yeah, no, I, it, that running, I, I feel like a lot of, especially people that are into sort of the hunting community and um, follow stuff, uh, especially like fitness, you know, in hunting, I think everybody would, would be interested in running Mount Pasag, <laughs> you know, just because of, of what Cam shows all the time. You know, it seems like yeah. it'd be like, oh, like, like if I was ever in Portland, I feel like it'd be something I would want to do, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yep. that's cool. No, and you should do it. And yeah, it's, it's, um, I, maybe I said it really quick, but, uh, we, we call it, we, we call it at least Mount Pisgah. Pisgah. Okay. Pisgah. Yeah. Pisgah. And it's located, okay. uh, it's kind of like, uh, Southeast, um, Springfield. Yeah. And, uh, Definitely. If you come this way, which you really should to do an elk hunt because mm-hmm. it's so hard where you're from, yeah. you really need to. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it might be pretty expensive for out-of-staters. I, I think it's really expensive. But yeah, it, like, it, I would be able to hook you up on where to go. And, okay, that's good to know. Yeah. But yeah, and then you could run Pisgah and, or walk it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know what? I'm not going to do – I'm not going to do strongman my whole life. I'll, I'll eventually get back into – running but yeah <laughs> i don't yeah, know jog, i don't know jogging softly i could probably i could probably jog at least part of the way <laughs> and so no i yeah it's not it's not that bad yeah that's cool well good deal well cool um yeah we should probably go back on bear hunting i guess yeah um that's <laughs> why uh yeah, i guess that's why i'm on here right because you mentioned it so the funny thing about that is like you know, I was just super excited to get my bear. Yeah. And then I grew up around hunting. My dad's, you know, um, even further back, my grandpa was a great photographer. Okay. And then my dad has always really been, um, you know, he, he feels like it's very appreciative of the animal to take great photos. That was before Facebook, before anything of sharing photos, mm-hmm. just purely to um, make the most of the hunt, the animal, take good photos. Right. So, yeah, I so I, I try to take good photos of my of my bear and I don't I don't believe I made it look bigger than what it was it was average size bear um Mm -hmm. for over there where I hunt it's around a 200 pound bear I remember I had to move it drag it and reminded me it was just a little bit larger than my blacktail that I hunt and Mm -hmm. the blacktail I hunt are about 190 pounds 180 pounds these mature blacktail yeah Um, that's a whole nother topic I have to stop Blacktail, oh my goodness. Dude. I'm personally very black. interested in blacktail hunting. I think that's a pretty cool thing, but... Yeah, you have can, you seen you can, some of the... What were you going to say? Go ahead. Have you seen um, just any of the bucks that I've um, taken? Yeah, with I have. Bow? You've shot some nice blacktails. Now, are they are those Columbia blacktails or Sitka blacktails? So, um, they are a uh, Columbia blacktail, but technically speaking, a Columbia blacktail um would be i think what they classify in oregon i'm pretty sure it's everything west of the i-5 okay and then our blacktail that i'm hunting are east of i-5 and 
actually, I, I couldn't even really tell you much other than that. Um, okay. Just some people really care about the valley deer being, you know, like a Columbia blacktail, and the ones I'm hunting are, you know, like a, a high cascade blacktail. But okay. Some people even call them bench legs, and I don't, don't really think that's the case. They look like a blacktail, taste like blacktail. Yeah. Um, they do everything like a blacktail, and they don't look like a mule deer. So. Okay. Gotcha. That's um, cool. But yeah, they're a little bit tougher breed. They're a high cascade mountain um, blacktail, and man, I, I have to stop. I have to stop there. I, <laughs> I save it for save it for the maybe if there's extra time or something like that is. Sure. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can come back to that if you want to get. Yeah, because I'm personally pretty interested in blacktails. I think they're. Um, it, it's a cool thing. Uh, yeah, because I, I like the. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll come back to that maybe. <laughs> and then the Sitka, I have hunted Sitka. I went to Kodiak okay. last in 2015. Okay. And was able to take two Sitka with my bow, and That's we plan cool. to go back. My dad and I and a couple friends this uh this next fall. Okay. Cool. But, That's cool. yeah. So black bear, um, yeah, I was able to uh go on that hunt this year. Backstory <clears throat> is that I graduated from college and I didn't really buy deer points i just didn't have the time to hunt and if i did hunt i wanted to do deer or elk yeah. just being that it's my preference of meat here mm-hmm. in oregon and and also it's pretty easy hunt yeah you have to draw the black bear so um i had uh been putting in for bear points the unit i like to draw takes minimum of three points three uh four years to draw mm-hmm. and so i had um i had a i had acquired about six points i'd had five um year before when i was considering going with my wife and Mm -hmm. so she had she had like a point or two and we could party draw an average three and then go over there and um and that's you know growing up like i did the youth hunt with my dad Mm -hmm. and i i bow hunted i never rifle hunted it's an either or you can use you know a bow or a rifle okay and um so i i really know the unit well that's why i chose this northeast oregon unit okay for my hunt and um so uh, my wife gets pregnant and we have a little baby girl and so i knew that you know i just wouldn't be able to go um with her mm-hmm. and so i uh i recruit one of my good buddies wyatt mm-hmm. and uh so wyatt has uh he just grew um a different unit that was nearby that was easier to draw and i hiked in and helped him pack out his bear i sent you some photos of that it was a yeah. great big bear like Jeez, I think it was it was over three hundred. It was like three fifty. That is a and very just nice a bear. Giant, yeah, giant bear, chocolate, and the catch with that hunt is minimum minimum four miles if you want to really <laughs> get into bear. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking three thousand vertical feet gain to get where his base camp was, and then Whoa. we had to drop a thousand feet into the basin. He shot his bear, and so he was over there by himself. <laughs> And, uh, I was at a work conference. It was so crazy. It's a nine hour drive from where I lived, where yeah. we were hunting. I was at a work conference in, uh, Washington, four hours away. Uh-huh. And I told him, if you kill a bear, like if you shoot one, just send me a text. I'll be there. Yeah. Sure enough. It was like Friday of the conference. You know, he just shot a bear. <clears throat> I just bomb over, hike in, get there by Friday night. And then, you know, help him pack out his first or his, his last load. And that's cool. We had a great time with that. So yeah, white was an easy choice. So I want, I was going to party girl, pull him along. Mm-hmm. I had six points. We'd average three. Mm-hmm. We drew and, um, I was really excited about this hunt. I have so much background with it. 
when I was uh, 12. Okay, so then I'll, I'll jump back in time again. When I yeah, was I was going to ask you about that. When was the first time you actually hunted that unit? Yeah, so as a youth in Oregon, you know, um, you have your hunter safety. You mm-hmm. can draw at 12 years old and do the spring bear hunt. So I pretty much, it's 100% for youth. Okay. And That's so cool. I go over there and gosh, I was so jacked. Like if you can recall your first experiences with hunting and being that close to an animal and with yeah. a bow, you know, yeah. I'm 25, 30 yards to be ethical. <laughs> at and yeah. And so my dad gets me right in on these bear. Mm-hmm. I wish I could go back. It was phenomenal. Like we would see uh, 12 to 15 bear in a day, uh-huh. um, be able to get two, two stocks in two or three in a day. That's awesome. And, um, yeah, so we got down this ridge on this black bear and I get 20 yards from it. And there's this rock that's about as tall as I am. And my dad, you know, pulls me out and I shoot and I shoot right over the top of it. The thing like turns and looks, and then I think I shoot again. Maybe I emptied my quiver. Um, man, you know, those first experiences were great, but so we came back because, um, a lot of that spring bear hunt is d- dependent on the vegetation and what mm-hmm. the bear, you know, how much snow we get a ton of snow, a pie on these ridges. Um, yeah. if you can think of what this country might look like, you know, just if you've ever seen the snake river Canyon or just, it's, it's a giant, giant Canyon, mm-hmm. like 3000 feet, you know, vertical gains and right kind of like a stair stepper for ridges it just like rock <laughs> cliffs kind of and then it goes for a ways yeah yeah so later on in the spring the season opens april 15th goes to may 31st and we always go like early and then we go late and so we went late as the 12 year old my dad calls in this beautiful cinnamon bear and i was 20 yards from it and unfortunately i, I made a poor shot with a bow oh. and um the animal was was uh we tracked it all day and we could clearly see that it, it wasn't hurt okay and um and I, I felt so bad and that was my first animal that i'd ever sh- like hit with a bow mm-hmm. and so it just made me think like gosh you know i don't ever want to do that again yeah and it's it's pretty overwhelming when you call in a bear you know yeah. they're, they're a lot of times they're running and then they slow up right around the time that they're getting close and we use this little doe bleat Okay. And we would just like scream on it, making the <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> noise, right? Yeah. Yep. And we just wail on that thing. And the results have been amazing. Like over there, we've called in so many bear over the years, but so we called in that one. That was probably a 250 pound cinnamon, um, just beautiful bear. So that one didn't work out real bummer. I can't remember if it was last day of the season or right there. I think maybe it was Saturday and we had just a couple days left, but so we left. I did not tag out. Um, the following year, I draw again. We go back mm-hmm. over. Now I've learned I'm a year older. And at that mm-hmm. age, like putting on like inches in height and yeah. more body weight. So I'm pulling a little bit more weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get in on this bear. And I remember it was the second day we were there. We spotted the bear from across the canyon. And it's it's like a three-hour drive. No joke. Yeah. We drive around to get to the other side <laughs> wow yeah. that's it's a commitment. crazy so we do that, that we do ways. that late at night it's a yeah. long freaking ways yeah so we we do that late at night and then we get up early early morning hike down you know right at sun sunrise and i remember the um the fog was lifting and it was beautifully sunny and uh you know that time of year like all the new wildflowers are growing and they're bright yellow and uh 
we sneak down and my dad has me he has, this is all on film so my memory is pretty good with it that's cool so dad films me and he tells me to point at this bear track in the mud so i pointed this bear track and it's a good sized track and so we sneak down the ridge and we're just hanging out and then right below us that mm-hmm. cinnamon bear that we had spotted the night before where we had to drive around um mm-hmm. that that bear feeds out and so now we see it it's like 100 yards away and um, with my bow, we've got to get close. The wind is critical. Yep. Uh, so we and, and the thermals are always changing that, that steep country. But typically, yeah. you wait for thermals to rise mm-hmm. and with the heat. So the, all the fog was rising. So the thermals were rising. So then the bear goes back in the timber. And that time of year, you know, they're just out of hibernation. Mm-hmm. And they're typically very lethargic. So if you can spot a bear on the hillside, you have to move really quick or just be like, you know, strategic that it will come back out, but you're going to have to wait and it might not be today. Yeah. So bear goes back in the timber to bed and we sneak down and it turns out we actually spot this bear, you know, bedded on the hillside in the timber. Mm-hmm. So we just hang out for hours. I mean, it was probably two to three hours later and this bear's just now, like it looked like it was just moving around, getting up. And my dad um, gets me in a position and it was 35 yards and I shoot and I shoot right over its back and the thing runs. And so my dad jumps on the um, doe blade and just starts screaming on it. And sure enough, we turn that bear right around. Oh, wow. I, I see it just, yeah. I see it just tearing down after like coming towards us. And my heart is just like, I, can, I will never be able to have that amount of adrenaline pumping through me again in my entire life. Right. Yep, so, yep. so I'm, I'm, I'm already at full draw and this bear is coming right up at us and then think at like, 10 yards it turns broadside and um it was moving and i couldn't even tell you if i was looking through my peep sight but i had my (laughs) arrow on that thing so i touch off and there's a slight quartering two and i make i make a pretty decent shot a vital shot yeah and the thing tears off and like rolls around in front of us on the ground just like you know and making noises (laughs) and hauls off so, um, you know, long story short is we have to get on it again. I make one more beautifully placed arrow. And then that was my first bear. And cool. It's a 250 pound cinnamon. Um, just a beautiful, I mean, the, the, hot, the, you know, the pelt, the fur, just beautiful that time of year. And that's awesome um, that yep. we have that bear rug and yeah, good memories. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was a long backstory. Um, no, that's you great. Me to jump into this year's bear story? Well, yeah, let's see. So, yeah, why don't, yeah, why don't we jump into to this year? So, well, okay, so between that bear, did you do any bear other bear hunting as a kid? Or was that, oh, of course. You, okay, yeah, yeah, you did, okay. Cool. No, yeah, so I should talk about that, because that, that is some good, um, some good stuff. So, yeah, so that was my first bear. I was 13 years old, uh, and life-changing really you know i had to go oh, through yeah. the process packing it out yeah your first bear, country and, your first bear is a, is always a very life-changing event i would say yeah and i wrote i wrote an article submitted mm-hmm. to eastman's and i, mm-hmm. I got an eastman's bow hunting journal and cool. cameron haynes was actually the editor so that's probably the reason why i was in it <laughs> that's um, cool super funny <laughs> yeah. um so uh yeah so i i did that and um then excited to do it again and get back out there. And now I, you know, the details are fuzzy as far as how old was I and what year, but um, I was probably 15 or 16 
and my body by then I was mature. Um, mm-hmm. I had really gone through my growth spurts and now I was, you know, kind of a freak of nature when, when it comes to hiking. Yeah. And, um, I remember this one specific year that I, uh, I spotted, um, a blonde bear across the Canyon and it was our last day to hunt before we had to return home. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I was with, uh, I was with my dad and then my dad's buddy and then my dad's buddy's son. So okay. it was a group and nobody wanted to go after this bear. And that mm. meant you had to go down, cross a, like a stream, a Creek in the bottom of this Canyon and then climb up the other side uh-huh. to get on this bear. And we're all bow hunters. None of us carry a rifle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was like, how, how could you see a bear? A, you know, a good bear and not want to go after it. And the thing that really, uh, perked my interest, piqued my interest was it was a blonde bear. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> yeah. And over there where I hunt, there are blonde bear, but the majority, you know, are cinnamon or black. Yeah. And, uh, which is cool. There's a lot of color phase and yeah, that is cool. Sometimes they're chocolate cinnamon, you know, they kind of vary in color, but this was one of those blonde bears that was just white. And then it had like maybe a little bit darker uh, legs, you know, where it turns back to cinnamon. But yeah. The top yep. of its back and its head, its face. I love that look. White. I, I, that's like the prettiest bear. I love that look of ba- uh, like a blonde bear with like sort of cinnamon legs. I just love that. Those are cool bears. Yeah. They, it just blows my mind that, you know, they come out blonde. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, well, we call them black bear. There's black bear. There's cinnamon. But then yeah. now there's a blonde? What yeah. the? Yeah. It, just, it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I guess there's fire hydrant red bear, too. So they kind of get the full yeah, spectrum of, that. you know, hair color. Yeah, those are those are interesting, too. Yeah, they don't, yeah usually, like, the, the reds are, it's more of a cinnamon. But there is some pretty red bears that show around, show up, you know. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I think it's, I'm trying to think where I've seen, I think a lot of those come out of like, out of Canada, those like fire hydrant red bears, but I'd have to find hmm. a good picture of one. I think that's where they come from for the most part, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, over over there, so yeah, st- over there where I hunt, I mean, we'll see them. We'll see the bright red. I mean, it's really the all colors and yeah. it's a really special tag and place to hunt yep yeah you know it's funny because um you know around here bears are predominantly black but every so often you'll see a a chocolate bear show up and it's like whoa look at that i mean it's like one trail camera photo of one a year in, in the region i'm in it's like whoa there's a chocolate bear one time i got one it was like a 90 pound yearling you know but it was like <laughs> i've never been more tempted to kill it you know I, I usually am like yeah that's a bear i'm not going to shoot but <laughs> it was like whoa <laughs> and of course you know it yeah. by by the time hunting season came around it you know i couldn't it was gone but it was like whoa because i got bullied off the site by other bears but mm, yeah yeah so anyway yeah, no, the color, the color phase bear, it's just, you know, it's just such a, seems like it's just so unnatural for, yeah. you know, survival of the fittest or, yeah. um, but they are a predator. So it, it makes a little sense. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, if there was, if there was deer with different colors, you know, <laughs> you would bet that they'd get picked off so fast, you know, the yeah. red ones or that. You would think so. And now, no, the theory I've heard and, and nobody knows for sure, of course, but the theory okay. I've heard is that, is that the fate color phases come in when it's, um, drier climates. Cause they blend in better with the, uh, 
you know, sort of drier vegetation. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. It does. It does seem like when you get near water, um, the bears get blacker. But um, hmm. yeah, because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm predominantly hunting in the Great Lakes region, and very rarely do you see black bears. That's because you know of Lake Superior here is what that would be. But as soon as you get, you know, even like where I've hunted at, at Minnesota, um, you start to get more color phase over that way. But it, you're getting yeah. further away from Lake Superior too, so I don't know. Yeah. So. And you're also, I mean, where you live, basically an island. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's very little like cross of wildlife, I would imagine. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a peninsula, you know, and it's it's a pretty narrow peninsula. So yeah, it's essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a lot like an island. You are correct. So <laughs> that's so that's so crazy too. Is that you know to to leave your state, you're either driving to Canada, like north, yeah, or you're going to drive south back in the states. It's just a very unique spot where you live. Yeah, cool. yeah. It, well, and it's funny because you know I like we live north of probably the majority of the population of Canada. <laughs> You know, because most, so most, most of Canada, most most of Canada, you know, the population of Canada lives, you know, so close to the U.S. border, and you know, most mm. of it's out east. So, I mean, I don't know if that's, I don't know. I wonder if there's a map. Anyway, I was gonna say, I wonder if there's a map that exists of like, you know, population of Canada by latitude. <laughs> you know, what percentage lives here? What you know, but yeah, I'm sure there is. Yeah, there probably is. It's you have to do that in your free time. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So if I'm holding my hand up, you know, like in that glove, you know, formation, mm-hmm. yeah. where do you live on the glove? Okay. So I don't actually live. Okay. So there's, there's, uh, I don't live in the glove. So I live, um, mm. in the upper peninsula. So there's, uh, there, there's the mitten and then there's the, um, the, what basically it's a giant peninsula sticking out of Wisconsin and that's the upper yeah. peninsula and that's where I live. And, oh, uh, wild. Okay. Yeah, so we I live on the southern um, shore of Lake Superior is where I live. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, and right now I'm in the... I, I'd say what town I live in, but I'm kind of moving right now, so... <laughs> yeah, so I, I yeah, live... No, right, I, right now I'm moving I to... to you and Jess and... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no, uh, no real... Well, I'm moving to the Keweenaw Peninsula anyways, where I'm going back to, so... So the Keweenaw Peninsula, it's that peninsula that sticks, like, out of the UP. It's a peninsula on a peninsula. Yeah. Um, but, it, uh, yeah, it, it sticks up into Lake Superior, and that's that's where I'm moving to. So it's, it's kind of a unique place. Cool. It's really it's a cool place. But anyway. So you're, you're stalking a – bring this back. Um, you're, oh, yeah. You're stalking a blonde bear. Yep. So – Nobody wanted to go with me, uh-huh. and uh, they were all, like, kind of joking, like, we'll just stay over here and film you, and I was <laughs> like, well, whatever, so so I just, I tear down the hillside, like, I'm, you know, it's my last day, it's probably 10 a.m., and, um, you know, I don't know how long those bear are going to stick out on the hillside, so, yeah. they, uh, so, yeah, it was a sow with two yearling cubs, and in Oregon, it's legal to harvest um, a sow as long as the cubs are greater than a year, okay. and so each yeah. cub's probably around that 100-pound mark. So yeah. the cubs are clearly out of the question. Both are bright blonde. Yeah. And, um, but it didn't matter. Like I wanted to harvest a blonde bear with my bow. Yeah. And so I, I tear down the ribs. I'm going as fast as I can. I get to the bottom 
and then uh, across across the stream, it's a little hairy. You know, all those creeks are basically cliffs when you get to the bottom. Yeah, and you're basically holding on to vegetation. Without vegetation, like not passable, and so you're you're just basically like rock climbing down vegetation and mm-hmm. get to the bottom of the creek, cross it, hike up the other side, and <laughs> I was able to do it pretty quick, mm-hmm. and then at that point, like your heart starts to pound and you're thinking like, how close am I to this bear? And then Uh is it going to wind me? You know, will it see me before I see it? Right. And so I'm just, I'm just crawling across this hillside and there's a lot of ridges, but for the most part, the further up you go, it's, it's kind of the, you're at the top of now the main ridge and the main ridge, you have a a better visual or line of sight. So I, I could not see the bear and I'm just, I'm just inching along and now it's turned into, you know, a 30 minute down and up where now it's taking me 45 minutes for a very short stock going towards the bear. And I get, I get up and over the ridge just enough to peer, you know, at it. And at that point the bears already started to feed off and go back on top of the ridge and into some dense timber mm-hmm. where it's basically, you know, the chase is off. So it was a bummer. And, um, and still like I would, I was not kicking myself for going after it. Like I could never let that go. Like I had to go after that bear. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I pack, hike on out of there and, uh, I ended up, so that was that year. Um, I can't recall what year it was, maybe the year before I did shoot a small bear, um, mm-hmm. out of a, out of a tree of all places. It, <laughs> it runs up the tree and went, and it looked big from up there. That's the oh thing. yeah. I was listening again. I was listening to you and Justin. She talked about shooting that smaller bear out of a tree and yeah. when they're up in a tree, there's like, there's very little, like, I don't know, I guess like sense of size or yeah. judging. And oh and yeah, it looked like a big bear, looked yep. like a, like 150 pound bear. Oh and yeah. So my buddy was with me and we range it and it was like a 55 yard shot broadside in a tree. I smoked <laughs> the bear and oh my gosh. And it falls out of the tree. We walk up to it and I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> this guy's like, he's like probably 80 pounds. And, yeah. and I put it in my pack hole. I just put it in my pack. And it was the most embarrassing thing. This is the most embarrassing thing. So I hike out of there. I get to camp. And I tell my dad like, hey, we killed a bear. And he's like, where is it? I go, it's in my pack. What do you oh, mean? No. I'm like, the whole bear is in my pack. <laughs> Oh man, I will like my dad kept the bear and he, he did he wanted to do like I don't know if he's done it yet, but um he wanted to do like a life size mount holding like a little platter. <laughs> it's like a butler bear. Yeah. I don't know. Oh that's hilarious. And it was yeah, super <laughs> embarrassing, but hey, you know, it happened. It was, was yeah. legal bear, just um yep. kind of a small one. Oh and, yeah. Hey, hey, you, I've shot like, small you bears too. <laughs> You know, I was probably 16, so, yep. like, I didn't really care. Like, I was embarrassed, but then again, I was like, no, I'm shooting stuff, you know. I, yep. I just really, um, you know, like the idea of being successful and traveling, you know, yeah. oh, to do it. Yeah, so. yeah. There's, I, I definitely understand. I mean, especially when you commit something to a hunt, you know. When you commit to a hunt, you're doing it by yourself, and, you know, it... <laughs> It's hard to say, yeah, I don't know, maybe, I've always heard of this, like, stage of hunter thing, right, and I don't know, I still haven't gotten out on the stage where, even now, you know, I'd, I'd much rather come home with a small animal than nothing, <laughs> you know, I'm still in right. that stage, but, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it was the first time, really, that I can recall where I was not with, you know, my dad, 
yeah. and uh, hunting by myself. Um, I've, I've with blacktail, I would tree stand sit, but still my dad set me up with, you know, the tree stand sit and, yeah. or rattled in an animal mm-hmm. with a bear. Um, it was just me and my buddy and to come home, you know, come back to camp <laughs> all by yourself with this bear. It, it still <laughs> felt like it was a pretty cool accomplishment. Yeah. Um, with the bow for sure. And, yep. That's cool. Uh, yeah. So, um, for the history, so yeah, that youth hunt you can draw up until you're, um, 17 would be the last year you could draw when you're 18, you're too old. Okay. And so, yeah, so I did it up until the age of 17 and I, uh, got those two bear, um, as a youth mm-hmm. and that's been it. I haven't really hunted bear since until, until this year. Yeah. Well, that's <clears throat> cool. So, okay. So, so you did the, um, so basically it must have been quite a gap then, um, almost Jeez. ten, almost a decade between bear hunts then, just because you're you're busy or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, more more than a decade. Um, yeah, college yeah, you're... so right off five years, just boom, five years, right, done right there. Um, yeah. Senior year of high school, I think I'm already. Well, no, so it would have just been it would have been twelve years. Yeah, I can't recall. Yeah, said, basically. Yeah. Wow. So so you take all that time off. So, so what got you, was it just, you finally saved up enough points and decided to do it then? That's what made you jump back into it or. Yeah. Part of it was like, I didn't really have, um, I guess maybe the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, well, I'll just buy a point. I'll buy another point. And then, yeah. Uh, I had met my wife, um, during the time where I had about three points and I just thought, well, you know, I wouldn't really want to go by myself. Yeah. Like, that hunt that I did, you know, going up there was always about family. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I wrote, um, Clay, uh, Newcomb hit me up, um, from bear hunting magazine mm-hmm. and asked if I'd write a story. And so I wrote a story and a big part of that story that I couldn't leave out was basically how important it is, um, from my history is that it was family. Yeah. We'd go over there, we'd camp, we'd make breakfast, mm-hmm. you know, we'd enjoy breakfast yep. and then we'd go out and bear hunt. That's and cool. The country, the country is beautiful. It's, it's breathtaking. Yep. There is, there is really no other place in Oregon that your jaw drops and you respect. Mm-hmm. And then it changes from sun to hail to snow to sun all mm-hmm. in a day. <laughs> and you see elk, you see deer, you see bear. It's just rich of wildlife. And so I, you know, mixed emotions. I, I'd love to go over and hunt. It's a nine hour drive. Right. And, um, big commitment there. And I just didn't want to do it by myself. Yeah. So no, that's understandable. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, especially if it's always right. been a family event, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and, and you know, the, you know, the nice thing about having kids is hopefully, you know, when they're old enough to hunt, you can, you know, reverse the role and you're the, you're the father bringing the, the kids around to hunt too. You know, I'm sure that's something you'd be interested in. You bet. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's my role model is my dad. Like he's, that's what he does. Like mm-hmm. he takes, he takes a lot of youth. And I mentioned that, um, <clears throat> he's just done a lot that there's these kids that come in the shop and maybe they don't really have much of a, like a dad figure. And so yeah. my dad immediately, you know, jumps on that and bonds with those kids and That's teaches cool. them archery, shoots with them in the shop. And then like, you know, gets permission from parents like, Hey, do you mind? And they're like, well, I would never do that. And he's like, well, that's great. You know, I'll take your son or your yeah. daughter or whatever. And, you know, and, and he t- makes a big trip out of it. He takes other guys too that, you know, they're, they want to get their kids into hunting and they're just mm-hmm. a little unsure. 
exactly how to go about it or where to go and how to do it. So my dad, you know, says, well, the youth hunt is hundred percent draw. It's a very high success rate. Yep. Um, you can use a rifle if you wanted anyway. So that's cool. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit more backstory and that's I'd love cool. to take my kids one day. And, um, yeah. So yeah. So my wife, uh, she, um, we were planning on doing it, uh, when we both had enough points to party draw. Yeah. And so you had to average three points. So about the year it all, all would work out. Well, my wife got pregnant. So mm-hmm. I knew immediately it just wasn't going to work out. Right. And so my buddy Wyatt, and I had mentioned that, um, he, I just helped him the year before with his bear mm-hmm. and we had discussed that we'd party draw together and I had six. So we'd average three. Mm-hmm. We drew, we're planning our trip. We're, we're talking about where we're going to camp. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what foods to bring. And then I already known that him and his wife, uh, they just got pregnant. They just got pregnant. Uh-huh. And, and I knew that, and I was a little curious, you know, how that might impact, you know, his decision, but I didn't want to suggest it cause I didn't want him to say, yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Like I should probably not go. <laughs> then, yep. <laughs> exactly. So then it comes closer and it's, it's literally the day before. And he, um, he, he guides, uh, turkey hunts of okay. all things. And, and that he can get a lot of money for a turkey hunt. Uh-huh. And, I just blows my mind how much. And so anyway, he, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, I became priority. Like that's where this is going. Turkey, turkey, turkey blows my mind. Yeah. It just blows my yeah. mind. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. So Wyatt, uh, he, um, he had two clients set up potentially. And I was like, dude, yeah. I mean, makes a lot of sense. Make a little bit more money. You're about to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, just makes sense. Um, and then uh, if you want to go back, we can always make another trip. You know, I'm not even sure if I'll see bear. And this year in particular, it was a very late uh, year weather-wise. Yeah. And so we got a lot of weather late, and it just contributed to a, a late spring mm-hmm. and a late summer. And um, even the wildlife, like the deer and the elk, their velvet hung around for a week or two longer than I've ever seen it in my life. You know, guys were freaking out because it was nearly the opener, and there yeah. was still elk with velvet. And so yeah it was a late year so i i I didn't know that and wyatt had just bailed on me and it's no big deal and uh you know at least this way i didn't we didn't have to flip a coin on who gets to shoot a bear yeah that was someone's gonna ask um, you with the party hunt do you both get tags or it so it's just you you share a tag then oh no yeah you both have tags oh you both have tags oh i see but yeah okay so yeah but you know who gets to shoot a bear if you spot one got it okay Yep. And so it's basically, I would use my points, um, burn them and then, uh, pull him up and he would able, he was able to draw a tag without, you know, waiting the time. Okay. Gotcha. That's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I drive on out and with a lot of help from my dad over the years and learning, cause I hadn't been back for so long and yeah, dad pretty much sets me up with where he had, you know, taken the girls, my sisters and I have a lot of sisters. So anyway, okay. he's taken them recently and killed some great bear so i've got a pretty good game plan and get over there uh i hike out a ridge the first morning of my hunt and um i'm sitting down towards the end of this finger ridge before it would break off and really go down steep into the river canyon i uh i glass all morning and everything is just dead like Mm -hmm. there is no green grass there's no wild yellow flowers which are frequent all over the hillsides. And yeah. the bear, when they come out of hibernation, they're like 
freaking hungry, right? So yeah. the more you eat, the more the metabolism gets going. So I think that when they come out and uh, they, they just know, like, gosh, I'm not smelling anything good to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go right back in and sleep. So yeah. that's what they do, I think, to try to conserve, conserve calorie. And Yeah, I think you're so, right there. And can I pause you? What, what time of year is yep. this? Or, or what month is this? April. So April. It, yeah, okay. it opens. The season opens April 15th and it runs through May 31st. Okay. So we have a month and a half, pretty good chunk of time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But you always hear, um, you know, it, it seems like the, the talk is, you know, sort of towards the end of May is when a lot of people like to be out. But yeah, cause I remember seeing your, your photo pop up and I was like, wow, that was quick. <laughs> so, but this is April. Okay. Yeah. So it, it opened April 15th with, I think was a Tuesday, a Monday or a Tuesday this year. I okay. we'd have to look at the calendar. Be yeah. an easy one to answer. And then, um, so I wasn't going to go until the first weekend because I'm going to benefit from you know weekend not using vacation time. Yeah. And <clears throat> so I went that first weekend and already uh, heard of a guy that killed a bear in the area I was going to go. So I knew bear were out. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no concerns there. I would probably see bear, but they commented that it looked really early and that was the only bear they saw and, that, and they shot it and went home. <clears throat> so when I'm glassing the hillsides and I'm noticing that everything's gray, not green, and it's, I'm going to just throw out it. Well, I mean, it'd be an easy one too to find out if we jumped on Insta and looked at um, when I posted the photo, but I'll pull it up. I kind of recall like in April... Okay. I kind of recall like April 21st. Kind of see. seems like talks my memory. Let's see. I'm scrolling through your feed right now. It's a low key operation. So I've got, I've got to be my own fact checker. I've noticed that's the new thing with podcasts <laughs> is to have somebody that's like dedicated to be the fact checker or like pull stuff up and yeah. Google it. But this is a small like operation. Rubbing. So this is just me. <laughs> all right let me see if well I'm that way you have a lot here. of quality control now yeah. you know. oh, whoa what way too far back i'm in 2013 here uh, da, 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 da. yeah i don't i don't post a lot <laughs> no let's see uh where are we at here oh that's a deer weight that was no 2017 yeah you shoot some nice box man oh here we go oh no that's a book article here we go okay found it uh, you posted the photo April 21st. Hey, I was right. Yep. That's crazy. Good call. So, um, yeah, it was April 21st. So just yeah. a few days after the opener, six days yeah. after the opener. And I would have been over there hunting. The first day I hunted was April 20th. Okay. And, and so I'm out on that ridge and I was pretty much a little frustrated. I had glassed, you know, all morning. It gets daylight pretty early at that time of year so yeah from first light you know i get out in my spot at first light and i'm just glassing everything scouring the hillside looking for anything that might move and um you know and i don't have a really spotting scope i'm just using my my binoculars my okay. optics and mm-hmm. um we're using so or oh darn it you know you would ask me a question that should be i just purchased the um the vortex uh and then they have the angle compensator rangefinder in them yeah if you're familiar with with those binos yeah i am yeah those are slick yeah so 
awesome binoculars. I, um, they're, they're higher power than the ones I had always been rocking, which were some Leica, like eight by 10, something really small. Okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm glassing, scouring every, uh, all the timber draws. So timber is growing on the North side or a lot of times the West side of ridges. And then the East side or South side of the ridges are bare. All okay. they are is grass. Okay. And so, so yeah, you kind of, you look, you, you scour those tree lines because the bear will feed along them. They don't really like to completely come out. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because they know they've been shot at. Yeah. It's just safety. It's sleep. It's, you know, it's where they live. Yeah. So I'm looking everywhere and, every, and finally just kind of give up. I'm like, maybe I have to relocate, you know, which is fine. You know, mm-hmm. somebody shot a bear here just uh, near the opener and <clears throat> maybe I should just relocate. So hiking back up a ridge and my phone starts to blow up because I'm getting cell service. And yeah. My phone and it's my dad. And he's like, see anything yet? Oh my gosh. He always like <laughs> would do that. Like, like as if, if he was there, he probably would have spotted three or four bear. Yeah. And, um, it's like, you know, like he would expect me to have spotted a bear. And yep. I was thinking of like comebacks, like, Oh, it's just way too early. You know, mm-hmm. like there's probably no bear for miles or they're all sleeping or something. I just couldn't come up with a good response. And I looked to my right and, you know, on one of the, the um, open hillsides of grass, there's a little speck. Uh-huh. And so I throw out my binoculars. Sure enough, it's, it's a big cinnamon. And in my story I wrote, um, I actually don't have a good photo of that cinnamon. And um, I think it references that that's the bear I'd seen, but this bear that I saw that was a cinnamon was a solid of like 300 pound cinnamon giant. Wow. bear. Yeah. And so yeah, I was jacked. I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. uh, I got it. I've got to <clears throat> get on that bear. Yeah. And so, so I, uh, I, I text my dad, Hey, I see it. I see a cinnamon. It's on the other side of the canyon. I got to get around. So it took me, Oh, about an hour and a half to hike out. And, um, I hit my pickup on a main road. And a little bit about this country is that most of the ridge tops have roads Okay. and the smaller ridges as they branch and finger, mm-hmm. um, they'll have like an old skid road. And you can hike out these skid roads until you get to the breaks of the canyon. And that's where you're going to come into the bear. And they'll be on top, but Mm -hmm. it's just timbered on top and a little bit trickier to just stumble upon them. Yeah. So, yeah. So that means I'm, I'm hiking back out the top of my ridge where it fingers and there's great distance between getting out to the main road where I parked. Yeah. And then get my pickup, drive about two miles down that main ridge coming back down above where I saw that cinnamon and I get right down where it was. And I wait for a few hours, hoping it would feed out in the evening and my patience, you know, I just don't have it mm-hmm. <laughs> when, yeah. That, and when you just want to kind of sneak up on a bear that's out already. So never turned up that bear uh-huh. and I do a big hunt, get into some nasty brush <clears throat> and it takes me basically the rest of the, the evening at that point. And it's the end of the day and I'm hiking back up and, I'm huffing and puffing because it was early and I had trained, um, you know, for this hunt specifically because it's, it's pretty good country and I knew I didn't want to be held back by fitness. Yeah. And so, uh, so I was in pretty good shape, but that said, um, it, it's big, it's steep country. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm kind of holding back a little bit my first day and uh, I'm breathing pretty hard and taking a lot of time to glass back up the canyons behind me while I'm hiking out just in case I see a bear. 
Well, it turns out um, I'm blasting up a canyon that's beyond where I was uh, that morning. Mm-hmm. And I see see this little teeny speck, and it's white. And I kind of was thinking, okay, it's like a log, you know? Yeah. Watching it, and it didn't move. It just super stationary. And I keep hiking up, look back, still hadn't moved. I hike up, you know, the ridge further, and it's taken me a long time to hike up out of this canyon. And Plus, I like to take breaks, you know, you're breathing so hard. Yeah, of course. So finally, I glass back way up that canyon. We're talking like three miles. And uh-huh. it's like, oh my gosh, that white speck moved it's it's no longer like i'm i'm a, i'm certain of it now yeah it's no longer where it was it's moved and it's still not moving mm-hmm. so i decided to sit down and watch it and then boom it starts moving all over so i'm like okay <laughs> that's a bear uh-huh. like, so um I, I hike back to the top of the ridge and um i've saw service up there and i can just barely see where that bear was and i can kind of get a game plan of how somebody might go after that bear and, yeah I text my dad that night at camp and I'm like, I'm like, he, you know, I'm finally following up with him about, you know, not, not getting on that one big cinnamon. And yeah, I didn't really see much, but I did see that bear. And I was like, I just, there's no way to go after it. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's just so far away. <laughs> and he's like, no, you have to, he's like, you have to go after it. And yeah. he told me like, you know, it's no big deal. You can go back down the backside of the ridge you're on, you know, that morning when I was glassing and you hit the, the bottom and, you know, my dad said that he'd done that before. And, you know, it's in this country, you can get in trouble, especially yeah. by yourself. It's yeah. so steep, you know, and if you've never been there um, before, you know, you just kind of have your, your hesitation or your, your, your you know, a little bit drawn back from it. And yep. so my dad's told me exactly how to do it. And I'm kind of that type that once I've been challenged or once I've been told, like you, you can, yeah. you know, or it's, it's going to be hard, you know, I'm, t- I'm doing it. Yeah. So I woke up, took my alarm really early and, um, and actually it didn't go off, of all, you know, of all things. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, that early that morning, my alarm didn't go off. I went up by my natural clock, which yeah. was like maybe 5am or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was going to get daylight in an hour or so. And so I had just enough time to basically rip back down the road to where I parked you know, hike out my ridge from where I was the morning before and it was already daylight. Wow. So I was behind schedule. And, yeah. And I'm constantly glassing up where I saw that bear the night before and it's not visible. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, like I'm about ready to drop 2,500 feet vertical <laughs> and then hike. Yeah. And then hike a mile and a half up a creek bottom that yeah. I've never been up. And I don't even know what I'm hiking after. Right. Cause I'm you're not seeing point. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, zero clue what I'm going after. And, yeah. um, all I know is that I saw a white speck that was moving and I'm, you know, I'm pretty certain I know where it was if I was just to go there. Yeah. So, <clears throat> oh, I, I alluded to this, but I, I didn't really tell you, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm a diehard archery guy. Like yeah. I've never rifle hunted. And then because my wife and I had a little baby, um, I, I didn't really want to basically go over there joyously and freedom you know just completely uh free of you know not the responsibility of taking care of my little baby who was i think she was three months right so uh no i february march april yep three months i definitely know the feeling (laughs) 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's just it, so bad. Yeah. It, it's hard. It's yeah. hard with young kids. It really is. If you yeah. once you have those the young kids, it's like you don't feel like you have you know, like you you feel bad bad for going out and like doing things where you're not successful, you know, because you feel like you're you should be at home taking and you can kind of justify it if it's like, well, I'm gonna go out and you know, I'm gonna bring home some meat. You feel okay about that, but you're not gonna do things that uh, you know, you're not gonna go especially with really young kids, you're not gonna go and just screw around, you know, so I definitely know the feeling. <laughs> so Right. I mean we just got over the phase of um, waking up every two hours a night. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, now it's like, now it's in like the four hour stretches of sleep and, and yep. you're just so in that instinctual, like my baby, my, it's my baby. Like you, yep. you were protective, you know, like I would not allow my wife, you know, to go stay with her sister for a night if she wanted to kind of thing. Cause I'm yeah. so protective of like, it's my baby. Like I want to be there every yep. night. Oh, make yeah. sure that things go well. You know, yep. I want to make sure she falls asleep. She doesn't choke on something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just your, you're over the top, you know, dad mode. And yep, exactly. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of, even even though, like, you know, it's fun, and my wife's like, no, it's fun, you know, go, like, I want you to, and yeah. me, and all the good things, it's still, it's, you're torn. So right. I was like, I have to use a rifle. Yep. And uh, make it as short as possible of a hunt. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going by myself to top it off. So yeah. I just wanted to be successful. That was number one goal is, is be successful, do it efficiently and get home back to my, my baby. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was packing, uh, a two forty three, a small, smaller caliber. And, uh-huh. um, I'd never really shot a rifle. I, okay. I have this old 30 six that I bought used and I was sighting in with that and I was just horrible at like a hundred yards. And maybe it's the gun, maybe it's that I'm a terrible shot. And so I needed, I needed something that maybe was a little bit more accurate at distance. And, yeah. Um, cause I knew my shot could be up to 200, 300 yards. Right. I don't know. Yep. And so my dad has this 243 that he lets the girls, my sisters use mm-hmm. and they've killed a, t- a pile of bear with it. It's a great, great shooting gun. Yeah. And it's all about shot placement, you know, it is. So, <clears throat> so I, um, I sighted in with my dad and he's, he's quite the marksman. He's an archery guy, but he grew up rifle hunting until he switched to bow, um, early on in his twenties. And so dad helped me, you know, teach me a couple more things like breathing and aiming and, you know, uh, knowing your trigger and just Mm -hmm. things that an archery guy would never in a million years (laughs) realize that it took, you know, with rifle. Yeah. So a little bit of respect there for the rifle guys. And, um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Only it's, that much. you know, you know, you know what, okay. here's, here's the thing with rifles. So it, it's pretty easy to, to just grab a rifle and go shoot something at 50 yards away, you know, but right. it's a lot more than art. That's, that's, I don't want to say similar to archery cause it's not, but it's a lot it's a lot trickier and a lot more of an art similar to how archery is an art, um, at longer distances. Like it's a, it takes a lot, lot more skill to hit small targets at 300 yards plus than, you know, that's takes a lot of, a lot more skill that way. Let's put it that way. Um, whereas archery it's sort of the same, um, it's it's more artful you know you, you, there's a lot of skill involved but it's only at you know 
20 or 30 yards is where that starts, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and and that's what I quickly learned with trying to, you know, just grab a rifle and go over there was with my dad and him, you know, nailing like just a, it was like a quarter size dot at 200 yards and me basically like, you know, shotgun pattern all around it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, but I did feel, feel, feel pretty confident. I knew that 200 was going to be my limit. I could make an ethical shot at 200, but I didn't yeah. really want to shoot that far. Yep. And, uh, and over there, I mean, the bear, like I've done it with my ball, you know, countless times. So it's pretty confident I can get close. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> so back to the, the story is that I, um, I'm a little behind schedule, never spotted the bear and then commit. I'm going for it. You know, mm-hmm. I have nothing else going on. Yeah. I, I glass back hoping just praying that that cinnamon might pop back out. Mm-hmm. And, um, the cinnamon never did. And so I, I, uh, hike down mm-hmm. and on that, on that stock, it's basically, you know, it's, it's nearly cliff like in a lot of areas, but there's so much, uh, grass cover that you're able to more or less like kind of slip slide down and okay. if you were to slide. And so you, there's a lot of, um, very small kind of huckleberries type vegetation that yeah. you can just grab onto. Okay. And which was critical on my back out, but okay. So you more or less slip slide down going into this Canyon, extremely mm-hmm. steep, probably a half mile distance, 2,500, 250, um, sorry, 2,500 feet of vertical descent uh-huh. get down to the Creek. I've got to cross a couple creeks and then I'm side hilling up and I still have not seen the bear and, uh, going up Canyon and this other Canyon it was in, and side hilling up, side hilling up and going really slow at this point. Cause I don't know if it's just going to pop out in the Creek bottom, um, be up above me on the hillside or right in front of me. And so I'm going extremely slow, seeing a ton of bear sign. And this is one of the more remote spots you can hunt in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very remote spots, but, uh, just the technicality of where I was, you know, the, the only way in was to go the way I went. Okay. There's really no other ways. Yeah. Um, and so I get up this, I get up to a proper elevation to kind of glass now where I saw that bear and I don't see it. And I'm, I'm right there. Like the bear was right in front of me, maybe a hundred yards. Yeah. Down. I'm a little bummed, but it's beautiful. It's sunny. I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> and I look up to my, <laughs> that's what you do yeah. on this hunt. It's just, it's, it's just a great time to be out and yeah. just hang out. And so, so I look up to my left and there's this uh, shelf, rim rock that's flat. And I'm like, that's a good spot mm-hmm. you know, to take a nap and hiking up to it. And uh, about that about that time, I, I catch some movement. And I look to my right and about 100 yards away exactly, that bear decides to feed out right then. <laughs> and so I'm like, and it's crazy how you're completely flying and composed. And yeah. all of a sudden your heart feels like a rock's in there and it's just jumping back and forth <laughs> of, of pressure and you're just you're jacked you know you're, yep. everything just becomes high alert yep and so i um i'm near that that shelf i'm at the bottom of the shelf that i was going to sleep on and it's mm-hmm. small it's like you know 20 feet across the top 10 foot cliff and i'm right at the bottom of the cliff portion mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of that columnar basalt uh vertical type rock and 
Um, so there's a couple shelves out of that where I could like use as a rest. Yeah. And my dad said, you know, if that bear is close, you could just, you know, use a, use a tree, use something that's nearby to brace yourself and shoot. Yep. That's so, huge. So I, I thought about that and I tried to set up on this rock and the bear's just right in front of me shooting. Mm-hmm. And the wind, I feel it in my back. The wind's blowing uphill mm-hmm. and it's in my back. And that bear is pretty much side hill, but at any minute, you know, my wind, who knows about eddies and how, you know, the flow of wind might travel to that bear. And I'm just, you know, you're, you're thinking like, this is my chance. Yeah. You know, this is a beautiful blonde bear and it's right in front of me. I just, just shoot it. You know, what's wrong? And I just can't get set up. It's just uncomfortable. I can't turn my scope and the gun in the right way to get a shot. And, and I'm shaking so bad and nervous. And so I, I decided to kind of back out. So I, I back out and, um, and slowly sneak to the top of that, uh, that overall shelf I was describing about 20 feet on top of it. And I'm crawling up to the top and there's a bunch of rocks kind of stacked around and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm visible at this point. Like I can't go any further. That bear would be, I'd be in complete sight if I got up above it. Yeah. So I would have to, you know, go down to the ground and, uh, and build a, a shooting rest. And the bear at this point is 70 yards away. (laughs) <laughs> like I've arranged it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, bad, my bow. You know, I just hold out and shoot it with my bow. Yeah. I can make a 70 yard shot with my bow. Yeah. Um, not like I'd want to, but. Right. Uh, Be good. So yeah. And so I stack a couple of rocks and I'm so awkward with doing this by the way. And, and I get everything perfect <laughs> and the bear is completely quartering away. Like it's been the money shot for way too long now. And, um, <laughs> so I, I get the crosshairs on it. And I just have to remind myself, like, you only shoot once, you know, yeah. and with archery, a lot of times you don't have the, uh, the time because mm-hmm. when you're within shot range, all you have is, uh, instinct, you yeah. just memory, you, you draw, you anchor, you make sure it's the right angle of the animal yeah. and then you make your shot smooth and execute through. And so with gun, I had plenty of time because yep it will be so quick and you're at a distance where they can't necessarily detect you with sight or smell yep. at that point, you know, I was, I was set up good. And so I have to remind myself to breathe slow, you know, squeeze slow and yeah. perfect shot. Nice. And so I was so happy. I made a perfect shot. The bear runs about 10 yards and does a backflip. And I was, I was just pumped, you know, jacked. And then, awesome. then, it, then it sets in, you know, like, I've got a long ways to get out of here. Yeah. And I don't really want to bore you with the details, but I had to take it out. Yeah. I did it one trip and, um, the bear wasn't massive. Uh, you can tell from the photo I'm I'm right behind it. It's a good photo. Yeah. Um, you know, the bears around 200 pounds. I've had to guess Mm -hmm. and, uh, just a little bit bigger than my black tail. And, um, still still, there. Yeah. With the complete hide, you know, and, and then I boned out all my meat yeah. um, to save weight and to fit it in my pack. And then a one tripper. And let me tell you, gosh, chrome at times in that creek bottom, I chose, you know, I can't hike side hill. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just hope you're good. Um, I can't hike side hill uh, out of there with that much weight on my back. Like, yeah. I kill my, you know, there's a lot of loose rock from all of the rock slides and different things. And so I'm down in the creek bottom. Yeah. And there's all this like devil's club or, you know, very viney, thorny, you know, uh, plants that yeah. if you grab or fall into, it just 
tears you up. And so I'm on my hands and knees at times crawling through bear trails and um, <laughs> that they kind of weave through it. And, mm-hmm. but yeah, and then I got out of there um, and one, you know, that evening and pretty much went as hard as I could. How long, how much do you think yeah. that pack weighed? Oh my gosh. So um, it was actually a really good comparator to my black tail pack outs. Okay. Um, uh, cause with head and antler and cape of a black tail, and then all the meat boned out, you know, um, it's, it's a lot of freaking weight, but yeah. you can pretty much hike downhill and hike on trails and you can hike flat ground. Or if you had to, you could hike straight up, but side hilling is pretty much out of the question with that much weight. You would, mm-hmm. if you fell, you'd kill yourself. Yeah, um, exactly. So, uh, with that much weight and for my body and capability, I'm going with like, it's so hard to put a number on it. One thirty. Yeah, you know, yeah like my guess was my guess was like one one twenty. It was just a number, just based on you know me shooting two hundred pound bears before, like what what it probably would weigh. And yeah, I was guessing you know about one twenty. Oh, but then my gear, you know, yeah, gear. yeah. And then my pack, I have a ten zing, which um, I feel is really outdated at this point, and, <laughs> uh, and it just oh man, it killed me, but. Uh, but yeah, it's a heavy pack. I feel like when I put that pack on, I'm already 10 pounds weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, one funny cool. thing I, I just remembered is that, um, so, so, uh, I have a, a Garmin and reach. It's mm-hmm. an awesome tool. I highly, highly recommend it. It's only for me, it's only 1475 or whatever a month. And mm-hmm. I have, uh, unlimited preset text messages that are custom presets mm-hmm. so it could say like uh just got one on my way home or oh that's you know, cool i'm gonna be home late or mm-hmm. uh whatever you know and you get three text messages that are unlimited to be able to send that's cool. and then i can also text anything i want and um but every text is like a buck you know yeah. it's like a dollar so it's still pretty cheap and then the reason you pay uh the 14 dollars a month is you have sos Mm-hmm. and uh, a plan and basically uh you know um, if something ever happened to you you could hit sos and have some sort of uh, rescue yeah coming your way yeah and that that's huge especially if you're you're out in the bush or the back country you know that's that's really important especially solo because you can get into a lot of trouble and you're not going to be found oh, yeah. for a long time if ever yep you know so and so where yeah where i was i had zero service and, mm-hmm. you know, if you fall and get hung up and break a femur, you could be screwed. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. you gotta, you gotta, you know, have any more with the technology out there. There's kind of, yeah. other than the cost, there's no excuses. Like if, if your life's valuable enough, people depend on you. Um, right. You know, it's, it's pretty good investment to have some form of, of uh, safety net there. And, I would agree. Yeah. In this day and age, it's just silly not to have something, you know. Right. I would agree with that so, uh, for sure. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm packing up out of there and I still didn't have service, but I really wanted to, you know, I already let my dad know with my preset, like, uh, it sends it to my dad and it sends it to my wife, mm-hmm. two people, because it sends your location. Yeah. So I didn't, I don't share it with the world. Um, yep. So it goes to them and my dad, he doesn't realize it charges me when I get text back. So he's sending me like, how big is it? Where are you at? And like, <laughs> I was going to, 
I was taking more breaks. So I write this long, lengthy text. Mm-hmm. And anymore, because cell phones, you just have the name of your contact. Yeah. You don't have their, their actual number visible. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure. I should have checked. I should have double-checked. But I thought the person that sent this text was my wife. That uh-huh. said, like, how, how long will you be? Or something like this, right? Yeah. And so I, I write this huge like text to my wife that's all sappy, like I love you. <laughs> it's just not a colorful language that's just specifically for my wife. Yep. And it's so embarrassing. I send it and it was my dad. And I just <laughs> Oh my gosh. And he's like, I'm not your booty luscious or whatever. And I was like, oh, no. like that's that's bad. I will not live that one down. But um that was kind of a funny thing that happened near the end of that pack out that was Oh man, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever accident one time I, I texted <laughs> I was um this was this is a while ago, but I accidentally texted my old boss. Um yeah, I was out on a business trip and I went to text my my wife, you know, good morning, I love you and like a heart or whatever and I sent it to my boss. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, this is like lighthearted, not some raunchy wife material. Uh, that's true. Yeah, yours, yours tops mine for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's gotta oh, happen to funny. everybody at least once in their life. Yeah, like, you have to make you appreciate technology. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is funny. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so, how? So yeah, I got, I got that beer. Go ahead. Packed out. Yeah. Yeah, I got that bear packed out. Um I recall driving home that evening, so I got to the truck right around dark, which is always a goal. It's like I gotta make it to the pickup by dark. Just I hate being out after dark even and then thermals changing and something yeah. happens. So um <clears throat> drive out, get to town, eat dinner, and I'm I'm gonna drive home. So mm-hmm. make it home. <laughs> um late night drive and uh with with me in particular and um, you know, uh, I don't know if bear matters as much too, uh, with having a little bit extra fat, but I'm always really concerned about, you know, taking good care of the meat and yeah. getting it cold. And so I put it on ice and getting it home and I process meat myself. A lot of people do this anymore. Yep. And, uh, so cut it all up. And, um, and so, uh, I think one of the things that we talked about is, um, you know, what did I, what I do with meat and because, all of, most of my like dinners and lunches, um, I have deer and elk, and I even can uh, mm-hmm. cast meat off of elk. All That's that cool. Really tough, yeah, all that really tough um, sinewy and uh, ligament. Yeah, it just melts away when you can it, and it turns into like the most delicious pulled pork consistency. Um, you know, canned meat, and so that's that's usually what I'm eating for lunch and dinner, and yeah. The, one of the biggest goals I had with this hunt was I wanted to get a bear because I wanted breakfast sausage. Yep. I love oh, you yes. know, like sausage and eggs. And yep. and so um, that was the biggest goal. And um, I've never done this, but I went to a local uh, butcher uh-huh. and I got pork suet. Yep. And I uh, just looked up the basic, I can't remember the ratio, maybe like a two, two, you know, parts, uh, fat to every five parts meat cube and mm-hmm. um, kind of grouped it that way, stirred in some uh, breakfast seasoning, yeah. um, and then uh, ground it to burn. 
like that's what I had this morning for breakfast was my yum. Um, yum. <laughs> so I just I just love it. You know, I love that full cycle there. Yeah. Um, being able to enjoy, you know, the labor you know, the labor that you put in uh, resulted in some yummy breakfast. Oh yeah. No, I agree. That's I love bear breakfast sausage. It it is just so good. It is one of it's probably one of the top five favorite things that eh it may be top three. Top three favorite things to do with bear. I'd say my favorite things to do with bear, number one is barbecue ribs. Number two is probably a ham. Well, either the ham or breakfast sausage. Those two, I'm second or third is, yeah. But the, I love bear bread. Like, like if you get like a maple seasoned breakfast sausage, oh, I love that. It is so good. Mm. And then you mentioned the ribs. Like that, that's really cool. Mm. That's um, a little bit more unique from what I what I well. The reality is, is I'm not taking the ribs when I'm hiking. Yeah, the, three that's, miles and, they add a lot of weight. They had a ton of weight because you're basically, you know, yeah. you know, being around here. I don't usually have. Well, I definitely don't have any three mile packouts or anything like that. So, um, you know, we just traditionally take bears out whole. We'll gut them out there usually and um, bring them in whole. But so we we have the luxury of being able to saw off the ribs and you know actually have like a bone in rib sitting in the freezer. You know, versus uh, you know, pack having them pack them out. But yeah, that I would bet you. I mean, that would add twenty to thirty pounds right there. So on your pack out. Plus a ridiculous, they're, they're awkward, <laughs> you know, it's like pack those out. That would be awkward. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I love that. I, I wish so badly that, you know, I could be successful within just a quarter mile or so. Yeah, from exactly. A, from a drivable exactly. system. Um, or even know, a or mile, get it out. even a mile or something. But yeah, the, if you gotta, if you gotta climb 3000 feet, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's not oh my gosh. Yeah. Dude, that would suck. It's, it's it's no joke, and, and mostly with that area too is how steep those climbs are. So it just yeah, yeah, it just it's not really, and I didn't really feel like doing it twice. It's kind of one of those packouts where like yeah. you're laid up the next day, you know, yeah. your your body's thoroughly trashed, like yep. bruised, <laughs> hip bones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. To do it do it twice in a row would nearly kill a dude and by yeah. himself. So if I had helped. And it would have been a game changer, maybe. And, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I really, especially with my uh, big game. So, um, you know, I'm a diehard hunter, grew up hunting, but mm-hmm. for some reason, I just never really watched a lot of um, hunting shows or gotten into who's, you know, who's uh, a big deal in the hunting community. And yeah, um, one uh, show recently that I um, started watching is, uh, well, it's going to make you laugh, but like really just recently. So The Meteor, you know, Steve <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like I just started watching his stuff and I love it. And like, that's like all I watch anymore. I come home and I watch a couple episodes of Stephen Allen. And, um, I just watching all the meals he preps, just, I, I get hungry and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that. Yeah. So I, uh, I bought his cookbook and then, um, I was like, you know, I really want to do some small game hunting because some of the funniest episodes to me, funny, I don't know mm-hmm. why, but just a small game like some squirrel hunting <laughs> super funny but, okay so i went out and we did uh my wife and i we were coming back on a trip and i bought my upland bird stamp and uh-huh. grouse are very prevalent we have blue grouse and uh ruffed grouse yep and we also have sage grouse on the east side okay so i was coming back from a trip and drove we have through a cascade spruce and, here 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We actually have, there. There's not many spruce grouse. We have some spruce grouse here. How do they compare with, for size? Uh, on, uh, I don't know. I've never shot one. <laughs> I've yeah. always shot, you know, rough grouse. So, but yeah, um, yeah. I, don't, our, I couldn't tell you. Grouse, yeah, our blue grouse get considerably larger um, for a bird and, okay. uh, compared to the rest. Okay. And, um, and the stage grouse can get freaking huge. And <clears throat> so, yeah. So I did some small game hunting and uh, did the you know field to prep that night. Yeah. Uh, field to um, grill and mm-hmm. so it was kind of fun and yeah That's so cool. I'm, I'm all about that now like i want to try bone marrow it's so weird but i just want to go mm-hmm. loose hunting for the bone marrow if you watch that <laughs> i have i have yeah i i, I have really you ever like tried marrow yeah i have so um it's this is funny so this i've actually tried it before steve ever showed it even because um there was where because I, I grew up in southern Michigan, in, in actually the mitten, in the thumb um, is where I grew up, in oh, the yeah. thumb. And so that's where actually where I grew up. But down there, when I, when I first started hunting, like, really hardcore down there, um, just once I took my deer to a butcher and let him process it. Mm-hmm. And he did these, the way he did his steaks, and I would I would strongly recommend against... I mean, I mean, you know, whatever you can do to eat venison is great, but uh, um, the way he does his steaks is he takes the um, the whole back ham and just like saws like maybe an inch thick steaks through the whole ham, and you get different muscle groups all in one steak, and uh, hmm. it's kind of I don't like it because you end up with um, you'll throw it on the grill and you'll get one part of this of, of the steak is is a little tougher because of the 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 per muscle group it is and you'll go to the next part of the steak and it'll be delicious <laughs> it's like what is going on here but uh because he does that he cuts right through the th- femur and there's marrow inside of the mm. bone in, you know right there and so i've actually had marrow that way but uh and even now um i mean i'm not saying it's a lot of marrow it, it really isn't but it you know it's a little taste of it it's good um what else I guess now I'm thinking about it, I've done like uh, I've done some roasts where I cut like a bone in half and I've gotten a little marrow out that way, but it sort of just goes into the broth though. So right, but um, yeah, you know that's another one. Go ahead. Is bone broth? That's another one I want to do these days. Yeah, I haven't really tried that, but I've heard, heard good things about it. I might give that a go too. Yeah, so you know, on the topic of, of Steve, you know, so I grew up hunting, right, and um, what, and actually I didn't really watch hunting shows either. I thought they were kind of silly and what got right. me kind of watching any hunting stuff was watching Steve show the wild within initially. Um, I, I've actually been as one of his fans ever since then. And, uh, what watching that stuff sort of did for me was like, it changed, it it kind of changed like how I, I went from thinking, yeah, because where I grew up, everybody ate venison, right? It wasn't like a, a, a odd thing. Like that's just what, you know, I, I'd say you go over to somebody's house and it's pretty typical. They'd be cooking up some, some deer meat, right? But what it, it never occurred to me that um, for somebody to put into words like, hey, this is actually superior meat versus 
yeah, it's just what, you know, we eat because we got it for free because we shot it at the farm or whatever, right? And, um, and not just that this is superior to what you can buy at a store and much more ethical, but like the adventure behind getting it and the, that this is the trophy, right? That the meat is the trophy. And, and that sort of really changed my outlook on it. And also you know, just the, the, the meat or the, uh, the meal creation, like, Hey, you can make like crazy, crazy good recipes with this game meat and do all kinds of crazy inventive stuff that tastes delicious. You know, that's, that's something that watching his show was like really eye opening for me and kind of put into words what I, I guess I had kind of done throughout my life, but not really like, like, especially with the meat, you know, like, Hey, this is, this is superior to versus, eh, it's just what we have, you know? So, but right. And there's a lot of good stuff there. And yeah, for sure. And it strikes me as it's like, you always just kind of accept what's normal. Yeah. Comfortable, you know, brought to you. Um, humans, I think by nature, we, we do look for that easiest, most simple way yeah. To, to do things, you know, because it's like in some instinctual way, it's survival. Yep. But when you can complete the process, the the full version, you know, you work, you had to work for your meat. Like if you are alive and living, mm -hmm. you know, that means that your prior humans, your ancestors were likely good hunters. And, yep. and so much of your human nature is built on you work for your food. Yeah. So until you can completely make that full circle yourself mm -hmm. and uh, and go through that process, you just don't really understand, I think, what it means to be human. No, um, I agree. There's these, there's these little qualities that you build, and, and it just it's like life has this greater purpose and meaning, and it's like until you've really tested your, you know, your human, mm -hmm. um, you just don't know, and you're not living life to the full. And, oh, yeah. Um, people can argue with me and whatever, but I think that's like the most critical thing is – to get out there, to experience what it might feel like if, like, the near-death moments or mm -hmm. survival. And then also to work extremely hard for the food yep. that you eat. It, it makes you... The things I feel like it. I would agree. It makes you feel alive. It really does. Like, yeah. like when you... It, it's hard to feel... There's very few things in life that make you feel more alive than when you've just procured your meat for the winter. You know? Yeah. It's like... Oh, it's just, it's hard to explain that. I don't, I don't even know if I can really explain that feeling, but it's, it's just such a great feeling. Um, oh, you bet. And, and I'll give you a story is my wife. Um, she, she's unique in that, uh, she grew up around hunting, had never gone hunting yeah, and loves animals and could never kill an animal. Mm -hmm. And, but, but always wanted to go deer hunting. Um, mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when we met, she told me all of that and, uh, and she's pretty legit. Um, whereas some people might just say that, but she really believed it. Yeah. And so I took her on a hunt, a couple, and she was able to kind of witness what happened. And sure enough, like it, it's hard to watch, you know, um, an animal die if you've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, you get hit with some emotion there. Mm -hmm. So she, she made it through those emotional times and then, after the pack out, the processing and the eating, you know, she was like, wow, like that was so 
enriching, so mm-hmm. full. Like, I cannot wait to do it. And so I got her out there, and with her bow, she's gotten an elk and a deer. And um, there were some tears shed on the elk mm-hmm. for killing it. And then on the deer, tears were shed because she was so happy that it finally happened. She yeah. had been following me around in the woods for, three, like, three years <laughs> and, and come so close so many times. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, it is hard to bow hunt. And oh, yeah. So, just some of the limitations of, um, you know, not growing up doing it and yeah, and when course. to shoot, when to draw back, you know, all the little nuances and yeah. for it to all come together. She finally got her deer. Then she was crying because she was so like incredibly happy mm-hmm. that she was successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's a really good deal and a good thing. And I wish so many more of my friends, my closest friends could, could experience it, but they're like, Nate, I'm just not into it. You know, that's cool that you do it. And they kind of have this, like, image of a redneck, you know, pasted across. Yep. The majority of the things I do, and they're like, I, I could just never bring myself to, to hiking, you know, to the extremes that you do. And, <laughs> yep. and I am an exception. I think I do some stupid stuff mm-hmm. for the for the sake of, <laughs> of experience, adventure. Yeah. So oh, I, just, I do, that too. I do it that way, I just, I just can't do it any other way. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. I do <laughs> really, really stupid stuff. I mean, just just for the sake of, I mean, bear well, hunting. Also boys. <laughs> That's true. That's, yeah, but I don't know. I, 50%, like 60% of it is that we're a boy. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you know how many guys I know that just don't, aren't, they don't have that spirit of adventure, you know? I think that's something that really pushes me into bear hunting because it, it's, it's a very adventurous thing I can do close to home, you know, um, it, it's, there, there is a, a little bit of danger, not, I don't think extreme danger, but you know, it, it's, it's, there's a little bit of danger involved in it and a lot of excitement, adrenaline. It's, it, it's a very, um, it, it's just an adventurous thing, you know? And I try to, I push, I keep pushing the envelope a little bit, you know, and that's what I, you know, it's that adventure is what I really drives me to do stuff. You know, that's, that's what I, you know, when I, when I have my vacation time, I'm always like, all right, what adventure am I going to have this year? You know, (laughs) you know, that's the way I look at it. And so, and the nice thing about the adventures I'm having right now is it also puts meat in my freezer. (laughs) So, There's definitely some benefits to having a great time. So yeah, I agree with you fully. For sure. And bear, like when I was on my hunt this year, bear did something a little different, you know, to my uh, to my to my heart rate and uh, just general emotion, you know, yeah. more so than the deer, or the, even elk that I've been hunting. It just that little edge of it's a predator, yeah. and um, you know, it's it's a powerful predator. Yep. Uh, you know, it just it really does, you know. Um, spur that sense of adventure and yeah the things that we crave yeah i'd agree with that there's there is something different about about bears i'm not i don't know it, it might be the predator thing it might be that it could turn around you know and easily kill you too you know i'm not that they ever usually do i mean it's very rare for black bear attacks to happen but um you know that that it could is I don't know, but it's also like like deer and elk like they're they're like they're they're definitely prey. 
Whereas bears, they're prey, but they're also predators. So I don't know. They're just, they're such a powerful creature. It, it for whatever reason, I still not, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it does elicit a different set of emotions when you do kill one. Yeah. But I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it'd been so long, you know, since I was a youth when I did that and everything as a youth got my emotions, you know, just jacked. Of course. That was one thing that I was kind of like, Oh wow. Like that was, that was intense. Yeah. You know, that was almost close to terrifying. Like, <laughs> very, and like, I've never had a deer turn around and with its teeth break my arrow. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. That would never happen. Yeah. It did. That'd be really freaking cool. But it just never happened, you know. And so that's I think that's that little bit of, you know, sense of uh, you know, excitement. There is yeah. very powerful and it has big chompers. So Right, exactly. You know, maybe if deer and elk tried to impale you with their antlers a little more often, <laughs> that might make it <laughs> Well heck, I mean, like I, they I mean they will. Like I saw saw an Instagram photo of a guy with with a scar across the top of his head or not a scar but like a wound an open wound and um i was at my friend's house quiet uh-huh. and um i was like what the heck and he's like deer wasn't dead and i was like are you kidding me like are you are you serious like i you know i always thought like don't get close to the sharp objects on top of its head while yeah. it's alive, like intuitively mm-hmm. but um apparently some people flirt with that and it just doesn't result in anything good um, no. So yeah, I mean, it almost happened to bit, me. But... It actually almost happened yeah. to me. I I was this was I don't know a while ago, almost ten years ago. Um, I was hunting and I shot a young year and a half old buck that had it was like a four horn buck and uh, I shot it with a three hundred wind mag and I knew it was a good shot and he ran off. And I was like, cool. And um, I got out, and there's a little bit of snow on the ground, and um, there's a blood trail that Helen Keller could have followed. And I said, cool, all right. And I was like, this, and I didn't give it any time, like, this deer's dead. And I just started following it, and it kept going. I'm like, wow, this went a little further than I thought, okay. And I come up to him, and he's bedded down underneath a spruce tree. I'm like, okay, cool, there he is, yay. And I go up to him, and I get, like, five feet away. And he lifts his head up, looks at me, and lurches forward with his antlers. <laughs> and wow. I had to jump to the side. Thankfully, he was far, far enough away to where I had time to react. I jumped to the side, and he ran just to the side, and I shot him again. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Oh, my gosh. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're out in the woods you know, enough times and have, enough, have had enough experiences where you're successful mm-hmm. and the animal's not quite expired and... And you're excited because yep. I've done the same thing. I've I've thought like, oh, I smoked it, and then I I just start running up, you yep. know, and then uh, discover the animal's not completely done. Yep. That's when you're like, oh, put on the brakes. Yeah. And then um, you know, you try to do another ethical shot as fast as possible. Yeah. But I mean, that that does happen, and I think it's important that you know newer guys into hunting just kind of keep that in the back of their mind. Like, yep. they can use those sharp pointy objects on top of their they head. They can. Yeah. And all of us, even if you get complacent, anything that you're really, you know, experienced and weathered with, you just become complacent. And yeah, for sure. Another reminder is just never become complacent with yep. treating them as a wild animal. And yep. That's what they are. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, definitely when you shoot animals, 
give even if you know they're dead just give them just a little bit of time don't go jump out of the blind and go chasing them or or whatever happened you know just give it a little bit of time because i mean for for instance me that deer would have been dead in two minutes <laughs> you know it wasn't it it was just yeah anyway excitement yeah. It, was, it was a fun, you know, I'm glad it happened because it's kind of a fun story, but <laughs> and nobody got hurt, so it's okay, but yeah. Learn yeah. from me. Don't don't try to recreate the experiment or the experience, people. So It's like you always want to come as close as possible to danger, but just not get hurt. Yeah, exactly. 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 Like, like um, well, Steve Ranella, he always talks about getting, you know, he'd like to be lightly mauled by a grizzly bear. Oh my gosh, I heard that episode and I was just like dying because it's so kind of true. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, mean, I don't I, know it's for all of us, but yeah. Like, yeah, I, I would like a light, I mean, <laughs> I would like a light grizzly bear scratch, you know, at least across my chest. I mean, just, I mean, I don't want to be hurt. I really don't. Like, I just want enough to leave a mild scar. <laughs> Yeah, some good campfire like stories. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and then I show up the bear. Okay, I have two stories. I don't know if you want to hear them or not. I do. But okay, so my dad he's he's hunted since the beginning of time, and you know he's he's had a handful of um, close encounters and, and sketchy things. But mm-hmm. um, for for these two stories to take place on Thanksgiving Day two years in a row, it just, it's mind blowing that this could happen to a single guy. So Mm -hmm. story number one, uh, Thanksgiving day. Um, it's like, it's be like three or four years ago now. Um, my dad goes out super early in the morning. It's the black tail season, the late hunt, it's Mm -hmm. the rut. Um, so it's it's late November and, um, my dad's out and this first one involves a, a cougar. So, it was super, super cold um, that particular year. Not a lot of precipitation, so very little snow in the higher elevations where we hunt. And my dad took a sleeping bag mm-hmm. and um, to stay warm. And the blacktail method is to basically be out in the woods as long as possible without doing a lot of movement mm-hmm. and um, basically to not move very far either. You know, yeah. you, you pick really good spots and you basically hang out. So mm-hmm. he picked a good spot. And he pulls out his sleeping bag, puts it up to his neck, you know, full, full length. And, um, and just to stay warm. Cause it's like low, like it's like nine degrees out. And he, uh, he also very uniquely wears a deer hat. So he's got a ball cap uh-huh. and it's somebody like used some fabric and custom made like a nose and ears to look like a black tailed deer. And <laughs> it is, super ridiculous like <laughs> i die laughing i i've worn it on our kodiak alaska hunt uh-huh. but that is the only time i've ever brought myself to wearing that hat and it is so ridiculous i have photos of it and i always feel like terrible if i was to put it out there because it's that ridiculous and I'm <laughs> dead with it on. And so dad's wearing a deer hat in a sleeping bag in dark timber where there's blacktail and cougars <laughs> and cougars eat deer, right? And so he is essentially a deer hot dog 
sitting on a hillside and he was asleep. <laughs> so now he's a sleeping deer sausage, right? Uh-huh. And so he wakes up and uh, he's hungry. Yeah. And he hasn't seen any deer, obviously. Um, he was snoozing. And so he starts eating some almonds and he, he's chomping on the almonds, you know, and his hearing is going as he ages. And he looks to his left and there is a cougar 20 yards from him, belly crawling towards him, right? <laughs> Yeah, and okay, that's the funniest part. He's like, he, he actually said this. He goes, he was thinking, should I grab my camera to prove that this was happening, like to take photos? <laughs> like never in a million years did my mind think, oh, you know, I should just take a video of this cougar stalking me wearing a deer hat. <laughs> like never. So, okay, so he grabs his bow, because that's what we do with bow hunt. Yeah. Draws back, this cat's right there, like 15 yards now, and he shoots it in the chest. The thing jumps like 15 feet in the air. Like, <laughs> they are super powerful. Uh-huh. Shoots it in the chest, the thing holls off, uh-huh. and my dad goes after it. Like, that is insanely crazy. <laughs> you know, okay, so that's story number one. Yeah. Okay, so if you didn't learn your lesson on going out on Thanksgiving Day, uh-huh. you know, um, how about the next year later? My dad goes out, very similar area, mm-hmm. hiking up this ridge, going after Black Hill. And um, he he gets up on this uh, this sow with with cubs. Yeah, yeah. And like I've been around there a lot, yeah. and I've always had the, the experience where the sow will push her cubs up a tree, yeah, and then she'll circle and she'll she'll snap her teeth and yep. she'll show some dominance and basically say, "Hey, respect the distance, right?" Yeah, exactly. And um, and so you back out and you're like, "Hey, bear, like I don't want anything to do with you or your cubs. Like we're cool." And so my dad does that. So he comes up on the sow. She puts her cubs up the tree and he's starting to just back out and, hey, bear, you know, hey. And the, the sow, and I've never had this happen, but she starts to charge and runs right up to about 15, 20 yards. And my dad's scrambling, loads an arrow and gets ready and the bear stops. And uh-huh. so he's like, Whew, you know, and, and then she flips around and runs back up to her tree where she put the cubs up. Yeah. And he thought he dodged a bullet there, right? So he still continues to like back out kind of slower because yeah. he doesn't want to just turn his back. Yeah. Well, so once he made sure her cubs were good and safe, flips right back around and comes <laughs> charge number two. Oh, no. Yep. This time, she's not stopping. Oh, so no. My dad was already loaded, so he was able to draw back. And we're talking like five feet. And he shoots this thing like smack square in the like face like just about like right next to the face and then the thing rolls around on the ground gets up and just hauls butt and like totally not fatal hit but he was going for life safety at that point right yeah yeah and um and then uh i i don't know the rest of the story maybe he trails it but definitely was not found and um and uh you know and that bear's probably fine but still like wow you know i i would like that's that's as close as you can get to a life modeling you know, yeah. Like, and so I, I, I heard Steve Rinella say that, and I'm thinking, yeah, but no. Like, I mean, if they can get a light scratch, they're going to get a couple deep ones too. And right, I don't yeah. think that they really care about you at that point. No, no, I don't think there's a bear in the world that's going to go. Yeah, I'll give you a light mauling. <laughs> <laughs> Make a deal here. Like, like, how would that even happen? You would have to. You'd have to get a bear to take a swipe at you, right? And you would have to, to <laughs> like, have 
professional boxer reflexes where you you pulled yourself back. Well, for one thing, you don't want to be wearing a shirt. And so you'd have to pull yourself back and time it to where the bear's claw just barely scratched you, you know? (laughs) And then somehow get away. Yeah, he does. Well, yeah, yeah they they've had a it few. They've had a few bear encounters. That guy is like danger prone. He's had like a gazillion mm-hmm. diseases. He's been charged. He's been uh, don't want to spoil everything for you. He's been run over by a moose. Have you seen that one? Oh, I did. I just watched that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, had some pretty crazy stuff. Or something and like, is that my blood? And I, I was like a pit in my stomach, like. Oh my gosh, what if that's his blood? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that guy does some cool stuff. He's from Michigan, though. It's kind of right. cool. So, yeah, when he, yeah, when he no, talks about this stuff, I can de- It's sort of, he's pretty relatable to me because I definitely get what he's saying, like with his upbringing and coming up, you know, growing up in Michigan and everything. I, I definitely get it. <laughs> so, yeah. But, oh, that's cool. That's yeah. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, well, yeah, did you get everything what? you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Let me see. I, th- I think we did. Um, let me check the list, though. Super professional here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, man, that was pretty good. Yeah, I, think we'll, I mean, thanks for having me on your uh, your podcast. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, no, and again, congratulations on that bear. I'm going to share the photo. I'm gonna share that photo. It's it's an incredible bear. So I mean, just oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I I'm jealous. <laughs> so it's a beautiful, beautiful bear. So what are you doing with the? Uh, are you getting like a rug done, or what's your plan with the the hide? Yeah, well, um, I uh, I got that bear and um, took it to my local taxidermist before I mm-hmm. even um, knew knew about that contest. Yeah, uh, the reason why I'm I guess on the show here. And, <laughs> um. So I took it to him and uh, he's doing um, the rug. And okay. so, yeah, I, uh, then I found out that um, you could win a uh, bear rug, you know, uh-huh. taxidermist um, work through that contest. And oh, I had yeah, already taken right. it to my local guy who does a great job. But um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. And cool. uh, yeah, and since it was, I don't know, I mean, some people um, may not appreciate this, but um maybe some will, I don't know, but so because it was time away from my baby the first time Mm -hmm. I was thinking about kind of letting that be her, um, you know, her bear rug and it being in her room and and just being a memory of, you know, when she was first born, this was the first trip away from her. And, um, and it's, and it's a beautiful rug. It's it's not the most giant bear in the world. It, you know, it doesn't have to go right there next to my, my trophy elk or my trophy blacktail or whatever I have. Um, you know, it's, it's a memory and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I'll, I'll just kind of put it, I think, in, with her and her room, and um, and she'll be able to grow up kind of with the with the bear and have story yeah. about it. I don't know. No, that's cool. No, that's awesome. Um, I definitely 
definitely can relate to that. I've got my first bear. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a giant bear. It's not a really small bear, but it's not a giant bear. And, uh, yeah, my kids love to play on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They I mean, love playing on it, pulling on the hair and touching it. It's it's cool. Draping over them. Yep. You know, yep. Like rawr. Rawr, bear, rawr. Yep. <laughs> My oldest loves to grab the claw and go, rawr. <laughs> <laughs> so How how old is your oldest? Oh, oh, um, my oldest is four. He's gonna be four in a couple days anyway. So Man. Yeah, I've got four a four year old, a one and a half year old, and then another one that's due in March. So, oh my goodness, another on the way. Another March? one on the way. Yeah, we're you're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> yeah, do you know the gender? Or are you waiting? We're waiting. We're doing a surprise. We did that with our second one too, and it's fun. It's actually a lot of fun mm. doing the surprise thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I we we found out with our girl, and mm. um, if we if we have another kid, then I think I think we may try that out. It's just so tough. It's like when you can know what you're having, it's just... It is hard. Being it's a second kid. It's hard, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Although, yeah. although if anybody tries to, like, buy you gifts or whatever, you know, like, as a baby shower or something, they they don't like it because they don't know what the gender is, and so they can't buy clothes. Yeah. <laughs> so... But, I mean, the, my wife is really into uh, neutral things and uh, mm-hmm. neutral colors and... Yeah. So anymore, I mean, there's a lot of gender-neutral things that you can gift. and Yeah, there uh, is. Yeah, and even, like, our nursery was very, like, wildlife-themed. It's all really mm-hmm. cutesy stuff, but, like, little boxes or, yeah, you know, bear on um, different things. And, yeah, we kind of did. Um, we we yeah. kind of did some pretty similar to that, too. So, but. Well, cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks for doing this. This has been a lot of fun, so. It's uh, always cool here. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. So I plan, I plan to take my wife. She's gonna draw this year, so um, I'll be right back over in that same hunt. Cool. And love, if love to we're hear successful, it. yeah, maybe she can make a guest appearance, and I'd love to. I'll help her out, and she can talk about her story. I don't know. Yeah, no, we can but definitely yeah, do that. Yeah, anytime, man. This was a lot of fun, so I'm sure the listeners will really enjoy it, and uh, it's a fun conversation, and. Uh, Really appreciate you coming on. So, all right. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess we'll end this one. So, uh, appreciate everybody listening. And, uh, yeah. Um, if you want, you can follow Nathan on Instagram too. I've got, I'll post the link to his page. It's not, is it private or no? Is it public? It's a public one. It is a public one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, if, if, uh, you want people to follow you, I'll post your stuff. So, sure. But, yeah. Yeah, and uh, of course, I'll be sharing photos of your bear and stuff. But uh, yeah, cool. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and we'll uh, catch everybody next time.